Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Support Time. We're Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by NFL insider Mike Neighbors as we'll get Mike's thoughts across the National Football League as the NFL season begins tonight with the Rams and the Bills. We'll have a comprehensive NFL season preview with Mike joins us in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, our pigskin picks against the spread, as well as our Big 12 breakdown, a look around the National Football League, and our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up at the end of the show as well. Thomas Bridges is here with me now as, Tom, we are ready to begin the football season and you are in a position of unfamiliar territory. Your team is the uh, defending champs. It's going to feel nice. Oh, it's felt nice all off season. Um, and, and, you know, I, I feel like the Rams have a, a very good chance to, you know what they call it, what are the kids calling it these days? Run it back. No, I'm just kidding. They've been calling it that for a while. But I do feel really good about the run it back chance. Maybe I'm biased. It's probably it. I feel like people kind of forgot about the Rams. This has been such an eventful offseason, Tom. A wild offseason that did not take any breaks. And, like, the Rams were an afterthought. Even with being in the L.A. market, giving L.A. a Super Bowl win and having star talent like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, um, with all that's happened, it's like, oh, yeah, the Rams are the defending champs. I mean, they're not even favored tonight against Buffalo at home. Yeah, you know, and it's not like they lost. Sure, they lost Von Miller, okay, that Buffalo, granted, it's it's funny. We have a lot of homecomings, or you could call it a homecoming, right? You know, Von Miller's coming back to L.A., you know, and this week we have Baker going back to Cleveland or – Maybe just facing Cleveland. I, facing I don't, Cleveland, I, Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. Seattle. I mean, we there's a lot of timelines this week, more so than I can ever remember, right? I don't remember this many timelines ever. This um, is between those timelines and then just the great matchups that we have on paper. We're going to pick these games coming up later on. Tom, this, I think, is the greatest week one on paper that I can ever remember in the NFL. I mean, yeah, it's, it, you know, a lot of the times people say like there, there's a lot of, and I say this during the NBA season, some of the times, especially NBA, because there's so many drama, there's so much drama in the NBA. And I think that's why it does so well. I think that's why a lot of people are interested in the NBA is because there's so many storylines um, that sometimes I feel like a little bit of it's some somehow scripted WWE style. Or sometimes it does feel that way. This is the first time I felt that it was not, it's not obviously not scripted, or at least I hope it's not, but it does feel scripted in some way where they've maximized the most storylines at the beginning of the season to generate the most interest that I can remember in the longest time. I mean, that Panthers Browns game just fell into their lap. It was scheduled before Baker was traded. You know, I mean, they got lucky with that one. I mean, that's going to be a great. I, you know, and you know, if you've been a long-time listener of the show, you know how much I have ra- ragged on Baker. I hope Baker goes out there and has a freaking career day. Oh, I hope he 
does his business. I hope he runs it up. I hope he has I hope he has five, six touchdowns. I hope you know, I I I wonder it's in Cleveland. I hope he plants I hope he plants the flag. The game's in Carolina. Plant the Carolina flag at midfield. Or what it would even be way better if he planted the OU flag. That would never happen. But if it did, I would immediately buy a Carolina. If he planted the OU flag in Carolina. No, oh, okay. I guess it's in Carolina. Sorry. If it was in Cleveland, if he planted the OU flag in Cleveland, obviously Browns and Ohio State. And you see where I'm going with that. Right. If it was Cleveland Planet. But so there was the quote that came out that he said he wanted to F Cleveland up. I'm I hope like, he does. Yes. I want to run through a brick wall right now. Baker, that's what I want to hear. I mean, people get mad about Baker, you know, talking the talk, whatever, and some of the stuff he says. That right there, if, if he has a right to be angry or upset, uh, you know, or play with a chip on his shoulder, it's this week, it's right now, after the way they treated him and saying they want an adult in the room and they bring in a sexual predator like Deshaun Watson. This week, I think everybody should be rooting for Baker. They should. They really should. And, and and you know, I think even some Browns fans might root for Baker. Because they know, they know they're not going to the playoffs. The Browns aren't winning the Super Bowl. They're not getting to the playoffs. It's it's not happening. Deshaun, even if he came back for what? The, I don't know when their bye week is, so maybe he the final. back game. week 12. So 12, 13, 14, 15. Right, yeah, what's he's suspended 12 games. Yeah, he's suspended 11 games. 11 games, and he's back week 12, yeah. And so I don't know when their bye week is, so I don't know if that gives him – I don't know how many games that gives him, whether it be five or six or whatever it is. Uh, the, the Browns do have a chance to win maybe one or two. I would say – I would say the highest they're going to win in those first 12 weeks or the first 11 – is four games. There's no way Deshaun's going to lead them to the playoffs, even if he comes back. So I, I think a lot of the Browns fans are probably a little pissed off. Not only did they sign Deshaun Watson for all that money, they disrespected Baker. They had all this negative flack come towards them. I know why they just signed Deshaun Watson, because they're sick of going through the draft to find the quarterback that they eventually ruined their career or try to again and again and again. So they try to go to the, well, if we can't draft one, we'll just buy one. Uh, you know, the the Matthew Stafford route. Uh, newsflash, Deshaun Watson is not Matthew Stafford. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson. Cleveland's a trash franchise, trash program, trash people in Cleveland. To be honest with you, when they say, you know what? I, I, Jones, if you had to pick the next franchise that was going to be uh, moved, um, a lot of people would pick the Jaguars. Would be yeah. the first one board, right? I think it would be the freaking Browns. Well, they still get I, attendance. I, you uh, know, I even get as that. bad as they've been, they've still supported that team. So I don't see I, the Browns. The Lions overall are going to end up being better than Browns over the last 30 years. I mean, the Browns are terrible. And, and you know, I think, Jones, I, I'd like to take like a uh, family feud poll 
of how many Browns fans have jumped ship after this all went down. Right. I I'm think so. All, all the Oklahoma Browns fans are all of a sudden lifelong Carolina Panther fans. We you know, know that. that time to get it's time to get your mom a, a, a black and blue jersey. She's already wondering why there's not a Chad Sports Panthers channel. There you go. You know, there should be. There's a lot to talk about. And I, for one, will be rooting on CMC. I have him in my work league fantasy. Also be rooting on Chuba Hubbard. Um, so more power to him. I Jones, yeah. for what is I hope he goes and kicks the shit out of him. <laughs> I really do. Wouldn't that be great? I hope I, you know, to be honest with you, I hope it's like, I hope it's like forty-two nothing. Any more points than that's lying because they're not going to put that many up. But I hope Baker goes out and has a perfect day. I hope he has a, a perfect QBR rating. I hope CMC runs away with it and puts up forty fantasy points. I hope in the fourth quarter they put Chuba in and and. Somehow Chuba gets his first passing touchdown against the Browns. Um, I, I hope they shame them all the way back as far as they can go. I hope it's Cleveland's worst loss they've ever had. That'd be nice. Uh, no doubt about that. I mean, when I look at these games this week, like even the Commanders and the Jags game, it's still weird to say Commanders, by the way. Um, even that game, is interesting. Like, I was doing a breakdown. We get this new project with Chat Sports. We're partnering with Amazon uh, to do content for them since they have Thursday night football this year, and they're looking for more uh, NFL coverage. And so I was doing a report on the Jags today, and, you know, here you are with, with Doug Peterson, a former Super Bowl winning head coach coming in, and, you know, Trevor Lawrence in year two, after the terrible Urban Meyer experiment and, you know, the commanders are going to do the Carson Wentz thing and try to make that work for whatever reason. I mean, even that game, which might be the worst game of the whole weekend, Tom, uh, I'll check on. I'm very curious to see if Trevor Lawrence has improved and if this Carson Wentz experiment is going to work. I mean, even that game intrigued. Yeah, and it should, I think, you know, I, uh, a, a lot of hype, a lot of not a lot of big hype, but a lot of minor hype. And I, I think even just even teams around the league expect Trevor Lawrence to take a step. You know, he's got his feet wet, right? He's got his feet wet. Now he, he's got a year under his belt. Granted, he's in a terrible franchise. He's got a year under his belt, though. ETN is healthy now. He's, he looks to also to have a, a, a comeback year after having a bad injury in the first year. There's a lot to be hopeful about if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. You're not going to make the playoffs. Right. But there's there's a lot of steps that if you're that team, you're looking to make. I had um, a little slip up on air today, yeah. Tom. I'll tell you this. Um, in my first read of doing the uh, this Jags report today, I accidentally said Travis – uh, Etitian. <laughs> I guess I had that on my mind. Uh, yeah, maybe so. And and you know what? For what it's worth, uh, there might be some TTNs out there. At, uh, <laughs> Show me their TDs. 
you know, they got what they're like the only stadium with like a, a heated pool. Yeah. At the top. I mean, you know, um, you know, it's too bad that Daytona's in February and not in beginning of January. Or I would love to go get in that pool. Um, obviously, I wish I'd be better shaped for that by the time that would come around. But uh, there's not another better, like, because uh, I don't think those tickets are too bad, honestly, because it's in the upper deck, is it not? I believe so. The pool, I mean, there's not a better place to be. Um Duval, baby. Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to go to Duval to see it all. Yeah, I've been down. For that. Uh, I mean, tickets are probably cheap, right? Probably so. Sign me uh, up, Tom. We're uh, we're gonna give our predictions later on for how we see this playing out of, of the Super Bowl. Um, but when it comes to some of the other awards. MVP, I told you guys a couple weeks ago, I'm going with Justin Herbert. Comeback player of the year, I like Baker for all the things we just mentioned. A fresh start in Carolina, coming off of surgery, playing with a chip on his shoulder. We've seen him time and time again, dating back to his college days. When he has something to prove, he plays at another level, he balls out. Uh, I'll go with with Baker to win comeback player of the year. Uh Defensive player of the year, I feel like you could flip a coin between Aaron Donald and T.J. Watt. Um, that it's going to be those two, maybe one of the Bosa brothers. Uh, coming off the season that he had last year, I lean towards T.J. Watt. That T.J. Watt's going to probably put up a ridiculous sack number that gets him that award. And then as far as offensive and defensive rookie of the year goes, um Offensive Rookie of the Year for me, that one is, you know, is is a difficult task. I, I would, I would lean towards one of these receivers, uh, you know, one of these top receivers that got picked. Maybe like yeah. a like a Wilson, Pickens, Traylon Burks, Alave. Yeah, I would, I would think it's going to be a receiver. I like Alave. Uh, Alave. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'll go Chris Alave. Uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year, I like Aiden Hutchinson. You mentioned the Lions earlier. I think he's going to have a monster season. He, he would be my defensive player, the defensive rookie of the year pick. So, Tom, how about you? Give me your MVP, comeback player of the year, uh, defensive player of the year, offensive and defensive rookie of the year. You know, Jones, I will go with uh, MVP – I think a lot of people think this. I'm sure he has the best odds to be this. Um, I like Josh Allen. Uh, a lot of hype around him. He's got a great receiving core. Probably if you wanted to go receiver by receiver, I would probably say the top receiving core in, in the league. You got all the way down from – you got Stephon Diggs all the way down to Isaiah McKenzie, who is a great, great late fantasy pick. Um and McKenzie showed flashes last year. You got a tight end in Dawson Knox. Um, you know, they, they've been I like that. Defensive player of the year, I'd be remiss to not say Aaron Donald or TJ Watt. You know who I kind of really like to, to show out, though, because their defense has gotten some, some players and they've kind of stepped up that D? 
I kind of like Joey Bosa. You mentioned one of the Bosa twins or Bosa brothers. Um, I, I kind of like Joey here um, for the Chargers. Um, you know, they got Khalil Mack. It's going to open up some things here. They got Brandon Staley still as the coach, who I think is going to use that to his ability. Used to be the Rams, what? Used to be the Rams, D.C. Um, I, I think he's going to use him in, in some stunts, and I think Bosa's going to get a lot, uh, a lot more done this this season. Um, also, for Offensive Rookie of the Year, I mentioned Alave. I like him. I do think it could be Traylon Burks. I do think it could be Garrett Wilson. I do think it could be um, Pickens, George Pickens. Could uh, it be uh, Brees Hall? You know, that wouldn't be a bad bet either. Uh, I'd like to see the, uh, you know, I'd like to see the the odds there. Defensive rookie of the year, I think, to be honest with you, I think I'm going to go with, uh, I think I'm going to go with probably, you, you said Aiden Hutchinson, and I like that pick. To be a little bit different, I'm going to go with Kadon uh, Thibodeau for the Giants. Okay. I think, it, I think he could have a solid season. Um, but Aiden Hutchinson, also great pick, yeah. uh, comeback player of the year. Listen, if you're not rooting for Baker to be the comeback player of the year, then you're foolish. The, the other person that I could see that could have a great year that'd be off the charts. I would say Jameis Winston. Yes. And that's what I would go with, but Jameis though, I don't know if he could qualify for comeback player of the year when he's never been that great. Well, you know what? You know what's funny about I, mean, I know M- NBA and NFL is different, but um, most improved player of the year went to Ja Morant this past year, and I didn't think that was okay. I thought it should have went to Dejounte Murray. Granted, I'm a little bit biased, but it should have because Ja was already at that superstar status. But I understand what you're coming from saying Jameis Winston couldn't be. I if if you okay to be fair, if you couldn't pick Baker, who else would you pick? For comeback player of the year, be hard. Yeah, um, I don't know who's who. Usually, who, comeback player of the year means one of two things: either you had a bad year the year previously, or you were injured the year right. previously. Uh, Baker, it seems like the obvious choice uh, for that, you know, comeback player of the year award, but. Beyond that, right? Yeah, that's difficult. I mean, that's well. No, that's when I say Jameis Winston. If if the Saints somehow sneak into the wild card, well, here's another one coming off a down year. Lamar Jackson. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I like those. I like those picks. I, I I think you'd be, I think you'd be almost out of line if you didn't pick a quarterback. I don't know how often. You know, maybe now. What if, what if Michael Thomas comes out and has another great year after being injured for the better part of two years? Right. That that could also be a good choice. Um. So so listeners, anybody listening, what me and Jones are saying is, comeback player of the year is going to be in the NFC South, or it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Right. Yes. Yes. Did- does Tom Brady qualify for coming out of retirement? <laughs> yeah, can you can you imagine? I don't even know what would be said. Like, like Tom Brady could never be the comeback player of the year. 
he would have to be if if, if Tom Brady has an MVP season. What is the old? That's that's the that's the Aflac trivia question of the show. Uh, when's the last time a former MVP, if ever, has won Comeback Player of the Year? Probably never. Let's uh, let's ask the uh, Google machine. Let's type this up right now. Hey, listen, you're contracted now. That means you have, you can't ask Google. You got to ask Alexa. That's right. I'm asking Alexa now. Yes. Alexa probably doesn't know, but that's a pretty deep question. I doubt it's ever. Let's see. Which, I guess, if Lamar was to win it, if Lamar was to win Comeback Player of the Year, that would also be a former MVP to win Comeback Player of the Year. Okay. I'm looking right now. Uh, Joe Burrow was comeback player of the year last last year. He could very well win MVP this year if over. Uh, Ryan Tannehill and Andrew Luck each won comeback player of the year. Oh, here's, your, here's your answer. You don't have to go really that far, Tom. For the last MVP that was also comeback player of the year, Peyton Manning was in 2012. Tom Brady was in 2009. Tom Brady, oh, because that was after his injury, wasn't it? Yes. That was after he suffered that, was an ACL tear against the Chiefs in Kansas City? Yes. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. And that's when... Um, Bernard Pollard oh, uh, knocked him out. Matt, yeah. Who was who took over for him? Matt Flynn? Matt Castle. Matt Castle. Matt Castle. Damn. Yeah. Talk, talk about going back. Not too far back, but... There's your Affleck trivia question of the week. That's put put that down. If any of you guys host trivia out there, put that down on there. Yeah, uh, that's a heck of a trivia question. Yeah, more NFL discussion coming up when uh, Mike Neighbors is going to join us later on in the show. NFL Insider with a uh, look ahead to the uh, NFL season. But Tom, uh, later on. After Mike, we'll have our uh, football fix with Coach Bo, including our picks against the spread. Also got Tom Fullery as well. But right now, let's go ahead and get to this week's Big 12 Breakdown. The Big 12 Breakdown. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you with a comprehensive look around the Big 12 Conference as the first week of play is in the books. And... Tom, uh, I saw a good question from a buddy, John Kurtz, who was on the show last week. And he said, what is your biggest hot take from the first week of Big 12 play? And my hot take is that the days are numbered for West Virginia head coach Neil Brown. We have talked a lot about Scott Frost being on the hot seat in Nebraska, having the hottest seat in the country. Uh, Neil Brown probably has the second warmest seat in the country because that performance against Pitt last week was so bad. They had so many opportunities to win that game. The the call to to punt the ball when they should have gone for it. And, uh, you know, also in that game when, uh, the offensive line was just so bad. How after all this time, four years in, do you have that bad an offensive line and just look so sluggish and unprepared um, in a rivalry game, nonetheless. I mean, that loss was on Neil Brown. 
this is year four now. This is a West Virginia program that in the new Big 12, when Oklahoma and Texas leave, there's no reason why, with their resources, why they shouldn't finish top four every year. And they're not close to that right now with Neil Brown. Uh, Neil Brown, he's got to go. That's my hot take from week one of Big 12 play. How about you, Tom? Jones, I think you're right about Neil Brown. And, and you know, JT Daniels threw a, a – I believe it was a pick six late um, that bounced off a receiver's hands. And so I don't necessarily blame him for that at all. But at the same time, it's like, ooh, you know, do you – do you say it's on the receiver? It would be a shame if Neil Brown was to get in the post, uh, like in the post game conference and say that, and he wouldn't. But it's very interesting this weekend, Jones. You, you have an early Big 12 game, and then from there, your Kansas Jayhawks go into Morgantown, coming off of a, a game they should have won big, and they did. Uh, but Lance Leopold has a team playing hot. If your Kansas Jayhawks beat up in Morgantown on West Virginia Mountaineers. I'm not going to be surprised if they say, you know what, uh, Neil Brown, you're done. <laughs> it, it's, it could be, it could be the KU effect. It really could. And it could really be week two. And if you're Kansas, isn't this the perfect time to get West Virginia right now? When and you're you're looking to punch him in the mouth. I kind of hope they do it. Not a shot on Neil Brown, but I'm, you know, and I know you're a KU guy, and I root for KU except when they play Oklahoma State because they're easy to root for, right? Like right. They, they're lovable losers, yeah. Right. So you want them to win unless it's against your team. And I don't have necessarily any hate for West Virginia, but Jayhawks are building something, and you know, I, I guarantee you, there's some. Some West Virginia Mountaineers out there saying, you know what? Maybe Lance Leopold would have been a better choice than Neil Brown. Right. And the Jay could do it. I, I, I'm officially putting the West Virginia Mountaineers in Morgantown on upset alert this weekend. Okay. I like it. Uh, we heard from uh, TCU head coach Sonny Dykes that they were going to play three quarterbacks last week. And ultimately, they only played two. Uh, Chandler Morris and Max Duggan. Chandler Morris, Tom, looked bad for that first half, but then finished strong, and then he got hurt. Um, and then Max Duggan came in, and he played good, uh, finishing the job against Colorado there. And so now TCU's in a weird predicament because, you know, you have two, co- two good quarterbacks here, uh, but – Chandler Morris going to be out for a bit here. I guess it's one of those deals where I, they ride with the hot hand. I guess they go with Duggan for now, and then if he struggles, hopefully Chandler Morris is back by then. I, I don't see them committing to one quarterback over the other for a while here. I think that they're going to play with whoever they got between these two for a bit. Did they give an injury timeline for Chandler Morris? I, I heard that it wasn't very serious, but it wasn't – it wasn't just a stinger. Right. I'm assuming he's going to be out for a couple weeks. Um, but I thought, Mac, you know, to your point, Max Duggan, and we said it before this season started, that we thought Max should Duggan. Morris should be able to return in a week. So, okay, well, there you go. I, if and, and TCU, um, 
apologies. Who are they against this week? TCU this week is uh, taking on Tarleton. Oh, okay. So, cleanup game for for um, Duggan right here. And you know, if you're if you're Max Duggan, you want a secure job. You go out there and play flawless. If you know it's your senior year, Max Duggan is not going to be an NFL quarterback. No shot at him. You know, it's just kind of what it is, right? Well, it's no shot at him. It's just okay. He's. I think he might know that, but okay. If you want to get the best out of your senior season, um, maybe he. I don't know if he could come back because of COVID or not. I think TCU would maybe rather move on at that point um, to find their next guy. But if you're Max Duggan, you want to secure your leadership on this team, go out and and beat the hell out of Tarlington State or Tarlington. You know, go out and don't have a mistake. Uh, One more you know. takeaway from this past week, Tom. Uh, I watched that OU UTEP game, watched it from start to finish, and the energy that was in Norman. And the excitement level, the way things were, uh, no man, no one man is bigger than that Oklahoma program. And we saw that offense was humming. Jeff Levy was doing a great job calling the plays. The defense was physical. They were aggressive. Uh, that was that's a tough looking Oklahoma team defensively. Haven't seen that seen it that way in a long time. Granted, UTEP's not very good. That wasn't a very good test. But I think the excitement level, uh, that was about as good of a debut as it could have gone for Brent Venables there in North. Yeah, and, and you know, I didn't think that, that Dylan Grabriel was as accurate as they tried to make him out to be. Or he wasn't – he did look good. The first two series, man, I thought – I was thinking, oh, you know, he even showed flashes of a quick Spencer Sanders in terms of running game. Yeah, 15 of 23, 233 yards, two touchdowns. So not a you know not a bang up game for him because he didn't have to be. I'll tell you who impressed me most. I believe his name is Gabe Freeman, wide receiver. Looked stout. Looked like one of those. Uh, looked like one of those guys who makes an impact in a in a late game to get the job done. He uh, Freeman had uh, that one run for forty uh, the forty six yard touchdown run. He, uh, I, that's that's the guy that beat you late. You know, that's that's one of those that's the that's the guy that OSU fears late season. Yeah. Yeah. Um looking ahead to this week in the Big Twelve. Let's break that down for you. The uh, slate of games this week. Gotta start off with Texas and Alabama. Texas is a twenty point underdog and Tom um this is a huge game for Texas here. I mean, no one expects them to win. They are the underdog by a mile, you know, 20 points here. But second career start for Quinn Ewers going up against, you know, Nick Saban in Alabama, start taking on his uh, his old team where he was offensive coordinator at. Um, this, th- this feels like, a chance to hit the reset button for Sark and Texas here. If they can make this competitive, I know that no one believes in moral victories and rightfully so, but if they can make this somewhat competitive, things are going to get noisy in Austin, put it that way. Yeah, and it'll be annoying, right? Um, even if they make it close. Here, here's my 
not challenge of the week. Here's my observation that could come true this week. Alabama gets ahead and plays comfortably and then starts playing conservative. You know, they it's one thing to blow out Utah State and to, what, not allow a point. It's another to play Texas and Austin, um, play against an old Alabama foe or an Alabama coach. And, and Texas, I know, has something to prove or wants to prove something. I don't know that they will. I also don't know that if Alabama will show a whole lot if they get up early and get it comfortable. That's, that's my thing. So I, I don't know if it'll be – if Texas does play close but Alabama gets up comfortable early, I'm not going to buy too much stock into this Texas team. If Texas plays it close for the entire game and, and makes it like, oh, you know, makes you say, well, you know, if, if, you, if you have a one-word shocked answer – to what this Texas team puts on the field this weekend, then I might say Texas has something going here that they haven't had since freaking Mac Brown. Um, that remains to be seen, though, Jones, and you know it the same way. That being said, I, I, I don't think this Texas team has enough right now. You mentioned Quinn Ewers. Like, what, what, what kind of game do you expect out of a young quarterback like that in his second start? You're not playing – you know, you're not playing Rice. You're not playing freaking North Texas. You're playing one of the greatest universities in the last 20 years. If not, it not the not one of the greatest. The Big greatest. Grand. What do you expect? What do you tell your team coming in? Right. You know they. You no, know, they're not stupid. You know it's you know. Granted, it's Texas, but you know, <laughs> jokingly aside, but. They're not stupid. Those players aren't stupid. They grew up watching Alabama murder teams. They watched Alabama completely dominate teams over the whole course of their, I don't know, high school career growing up. That's all they know is Alabama being dominant, these kids, these 18, 19, 20-year-olds. They they only know Nick Saban. They only know Alabama. They, they're not hardly even old enough to remember Colt McCoy. Right. Going against Alabama. And if what? Texas is going to have a shot in this game, Bijan Robinson is going to have to go off, and Quinn Ewers is going to have to have himself quite the day. If gonna, those two things occur, Texas has a shot to compete. Not saying to win. If those things happen, they have a shot to compete. I mean, yeah, and that's being generous. And I, I don't want to. I don't want to jack off Alabama too much here. Because they are beatable. They are beatable. I don't think it's Texas that's going to do it. And like I said before, if if Alabama gets comfortable, I don't know how much they show. Right. And I don't know if that's more of a shot to Texas saying that or if that's more of a compliment to Alabama. Right. Yeah, it's going to be intriguing. That's for sure. Other games in the uh, Big 12 this week, Iowa State taking on Iowa. Iowa scored seven points last week, Tom, um, and it wasn't by a touchdown. It was a field goal and two safeties. Um, if if we didn't know the history of Iowa and Iowa State, of Iowa's just utter dominance of Iowa State over this last decade plus, I think we'd look back at you know how last week went. Of uh, you know Iowa State, they played good against a bad Southeast Missouri State team, won that pretty easily. 
and Iowa only puts up seven points against South Dakota State, wins seven to three. I think all of us would be sitting here and saying, yeah, yeah, I'll pick Iowa State here. But there's still something weird about Iowa State taking on Iowa here that Matt Campbell has not been able to beat Iowa, not even once since he showed up to Ames here. Iowa has had his number here. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty simple for Iowa State, right? I mean, if they get the offense rolling, then I don't know how Iowa hangs with them here. I, I'm, I want to pick Iowa State in this game, Tom, but I, I've been let down here before. Yeah, I've been let down too, and I've been let down by Iowa State. In, in September of- too, Iowa State, you don't touch. Are we are we looking at a a classic Big Ten matchup of a of, of a twelve to seven score? Right. I I mean I wouldn't be remiss saying that, but here's here's my here's my hot take of the week. Here's what you're gonna get out of me in hot take. I think Iowa finds a way to bounce back in terms of scoring. I don't think it's just going to be special teams and defense scoring this week. It's not a knock on Iowa State. I think Iowa State's going to get theirs too. I like a close one, Jones. And I like I'll, – I'll tell you what, we didn't we didn't pick this game, but I'll tell you my pick. I like Iowa to win this game 24-20. to 20. Okay. It is in Iowa City. I, I don't know how much that plays into it, but I I definitely wouldn't want to go to uh, wouldn't want to go into Ames. I never want to go into Ames, right? Right. You know, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I, I think Iowa State finally breaks that streak and gets it done. This and is the pulls off the upset here. This Iowa offense is so bad. I mean, if you don't beat Iowa now, I don't know when you will. Uh, I'll You're right. State to get it done. Um, Mizzou taking on K State. K State last week pitched a shutout against South Dakota, and I know it was South Dakota, but you shut out anybody. That's impressive. Thirty-four nothing. Adrian Martinez, eleven, fifteen, fifty-three yards. Didn't have to do too much. Did what was asked of him, and he didn't turn the ball over, uh, which was big. Deuce Vaughn was incredible last week. 18 carries, 126 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, loved what we saw from a Deuce Vaughn last week. Taking on this uh, Missouri team who's just not very good. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, Tom, I think he's going to have a day. And The key for Adrian Martinez, I think we're going to talk about it every week on this show, dating back to when he left Nebraska, is he's got to limit the turnovers. Don't make mistakes. Let Deuce Vaughn be the number one on the – number one option on this offense and then adrian martinez his job is to take care of the football and if they do those two things this i this k-state team could be dangerous yeah i think so and and a lot of people jones are saying this k-state team is somewhat of a dark horse this year and you know i i think for this k-state team and deuce vaughn i think you know you, you talk a whole lot about heisman or maybe not heisman for deuce vaughn but you talk about playing well or, or being the Big 12 player of the year even. You know, there's a lot of people that are saying that Deuce Vaughn could be that. I, I think maybe you even took Deuce Vaughn to be a Big 12 player of the year. This is where you this is where you make your money on that, right? This is the game that you need to show up for. Yes. And uh, 
means a lot recruiting wise too. Both these teams going for, you know, Kansas and Missouri kids. Uh, this could go a long ways, I think, uh, of trying to own the uh, region between these uh, two teams here. Uh, Kansas and West Virginia. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but for KU, they're they're still a double digit underdog here. But looking at the way West Virginia played in their self-inflicted mistakes last week and how much that Kansas offense was rolling with uh, with Daniels and, and everybody there. You know, Devin Neal was great last week. Um, something tells me, Tom, that Kansas is not going to go away quietly. They might not win this game, but I, I think KU is going to compete. And, and and this Kansas team, if, they, if they're going to have any shot at making the bowl game this year or anything like that, this is ones that you got to be in. You got to you got to win games like these. What's what's the spread on that game? You say thirteen and a half. To be honest with you, I think West Virginia is kind of questioning their identity. Maybe now, um, this is the perfect time coming off that loss against a rival for KU to make a statement. They might not win this game, but I, I have a feeling about KU this year that they could be one of those teams that aren't going to win anything. They might not even make a bowl game, but they're going to be one of those teams that nag you like a bad wife, right? They're going to they're going to be one of those that they KU has a honeydew list this year. You don't know what a honeydew list is. It's when you have a day off and your wife says, "Honey, do this, honey, do that." And she just nags you the whole time and it makes it real hard for you to enjoy your time off. That is KU this football season. I do believe it. They might not win, but two or three games, maybe four. Uh, they got a honey-do list this year, and I do believe West Virginia's on it. I think so. OU taking on Kent State. The Sooners favored by 33-and-a-half. Um, I think for OU here, Tom, we all know the outcome, that they're going to win this game, and they're even a bigger favorites than what they were last week. Um, and – it's finally not on pay-per-view. Uh, an OU game you don't have to, you don't have to pay fifty dollars for. Uh, this year on ESPN Plus. Congrats to uh, making it to modern technology, Sooners. Uh, <laughs> with that said, I think it's just the little things. It's uh, seeing if Dylan Gabriel can be more accurate than what he was last week. If uh, the run game can continue to, you know, be as good as what it was. You know, Mims and those receivers step up. The defense continued to play physical like they did last week. I mean, uh, these these couple of weeks here, Tom, for OU is very beneficial compared to a lot of teams. I mean, you looked at, take example, Oregon played Georgia and just got the snot kicked out of them. Oklahoma doesn't face their real test, first real test, till next week against Nebraska. And that's saying. They're going to have all the tune-up they need. These two weeks, there's no reason why Oklahoma shouldn't be well-prepared for Nebraska and be a well-oiled machine at this point of the easy start they have compared to a lot of teams uh, of their caliber. Jones, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I think for for OU, uh, you know, it's one of those teams, and this is not a knock by any means, for OU, this is where they find their identity. This is this is one of those teams. It's rare to say that, really. I, I 
I feel I don't feel bad saying that. I just feel weird saying that. Um, that they are in a spot for the first time in a long time where they're like, you know what? They have to find their identity. Who who do they want to be under Brett Venables? And and sure, Brett was Brett was there in the Bob Stoops days and what last there in what 2010, 2011. Um when they got blown out, I think his last year was like when they got blown out against Clemson in a bowl game. Yeah. I think though now though, it's like who who do they want to be? Who is who is this OU team? And we kind of know what Brett Venables is like. We kind of know his style. We kind of know who he is. But we don't know who this OU team is yet. We really don't. Um, and that's coming from a guy who does not like OU. We know they're going to be good. But are they going to be smash mouth? Are they going to be high powered? Are they going to be both? Are they going to be a little of both? I, I don't know who this OU team is yet, right? And I, I think for a lot of OU fans, though, that was pretty exciting, right? Sure. Uh, you knew you were going to be good or pretty good, but you didn't know who you were going to be. And right. so everyone finding this identity of this OU team out together, and you mentioned it, this is the great opportunity for OU to continue to find out their identity. Yes. Uh, Houston in Texas Tech, Tyler Schoff is out with an injury, will not be playing for the Red Raiders. Red Raiders still favored at home. Future Big 12 matchup, and I think that these two programs, Texas Tech and Houston, are going to be very measurable to each other uh, over the next couple of years. What, to me, is a problem for Texas Tech is how they're going to deal with Clayton Toon, Houston's quarterback. Clayton Toon, very good quarterback. Last week had over 200 yards and three touchdowns through the air, had 51 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. Uh, not having Schaff there uh, is going to be an issue. And dealing with Clayton Toon, I, I don't know what Texas Tech's going to dial up defensively here. Uh, this is a situation where the wrong team's favored. Uh, I, Tom, I like Houston to win this game and, uh, you know, as, as an underdog, uh, to win outright, not just cover, but, but win as an underdog here. I think that uh, – they're, they're going to be too much to handle. Dana Algerson company is going to take care of business. You know, to be honest with you, I still like Tech's chances here. Um, it is in Lubbock. Uh, Texas Tech fans talk a lot of trash. And Houston just came off of an emotional – like, if you, I watched that game. I also was watching Tulsa-Wyoming at the same time. But uh, Houston came off an emotional, like, three-overtime game against UTSA. Um, which, you know, they're, those campuses are three and a half hours away. Um, but a lot of trash talk had gone on between them. Now they go, instead of, instead of going South Texas, they go far West. And I still like, I still like text chances here. Um, I, I think, you know, I think for them, this would be a good start and, and Jones, Win or lose for Tech or win or lose for Houston, this game has the feelings of um, – this game has those feelings of a, a a potential new age Big 12 rivalry. Right. You know, and, it's they, a, and, and it's a renewal of an old rivalry, two schools that played in the, the old Southwest Conference in Houston and uh, Texas and, Tech. So, yeah. It, I um, like – 
couple more for you. Uh, OSU and Arizona State. OSU favored by 11 and a half. Arizona State is not a very good football team. Um, I'll be honest with you, they, they aren't. Uh, you know, they beat Northern Arizona last week 40 to 3, but this team does not have any expectations for success at all uh, under Herm Edwards this year. And Oklahoma State favored at 11 and a half. I will say, uh, what we saw from that OSU defense last week, Tom, that does concern me to an extent. Uh, I think oh, I liked what I saw from Spencer Sanders. He, he was good, Spencer Sanders. I hope he plays that way all year long. Uh, but I am concerned about that that OSU defense giving up so much against Central Michigan like they did. Uh, we all expect them to win against Arizona State here. That should be that should be fine. Although you don't take anything for granted, but with that said, I think you know going forward and building for this point. Uh, if you're at OSU, I think you'd like to see your defense take some big steps and improve right away here uh, this week. And uh, the Oliver kid is going to be phenomenal. I mean, he is going to be something special. That's we talk about improving the defense. Step one, Oliver's got to be on the field more. Yeah, and I'm surprised he wasn't. Um, he, he didn't get his name called near as much as I thought he would against Central Michigan. To be fair, I know I'm biased. I'll tell you, right, anybody listening, I know I'm, I'm really biased. Um, and I, I'd like to see OSU do the, the best they could be, uh, the best that they could do. But I'm also very critical in terms of OSU. And I would like to think that them giving up, like, what, 22 points in the, in the fourth quarter – is them losing interest in the game. Um, Mike Gundy said a lot of what they gave up was to youth. Um, they blamed it on the youth, and I could get that. I do get that. Um, but you should, you know, and not take anything away against Central Michigan. They should have never They should have never been that close. No more playing Central Michigan. No, they really no. And maybe I, I, I'm superstitious, but I'm not. But it – I think they can really make a statement this week. If they can go out and do what they did against Central Michigan, I don't think Arizona State's defense is that good. If you can go out and have somewhat a similar game that you had against Central Michigan and then shore up that defense a little bit, whether that be correcting errors during you know film or correcting errors during scheme, I think it was probably a little bit of both. I think that will go a long, long way this OSU defense and I, I think they'll continue to get better but this is another game like I said against like what, what OU is going to play this week it's a game that you find out who you are and we know who OSU is going to be on offense it seems we don't know what this defense is going to be with the absence of Jim Knowles and so this is the same thing for OSU that is for OU who's that defense going to be obviously like I said for OU Who's this team going to be? What's This is the week for OSU to say, who's who's this defense going to be? You right. got Arkansas Bluff after this. Right, right. You got a bye week, and then you got Baylor. So it's time to step up. Yeah. Uh, we talked about TCU taking on Tarleton and figuring out their quarterback situation. Uh, Baylor and BYU, another future Big 12 matchup. BYU favored at home. It's a late-night game, and – it's going to be fun. I like Jared Hall, the BYU quarterback. He's really good. 
Uh, Blake Shapin, who has been really good in the few starts that we've seen. And last week was no exception either, going 17 to 20, 214 yards and two touchdowns. But this test for Blake Shapin in this Baylor team, Tom, is going to be totally different than anything that Shapin has seen before. Uh, you know, last year in the Big 12 championship game, neutral side, you know, playing last week, home game and, and everything, the limited starts, a late night trip on the on the West Coast against a good BYU team. I think Baylor's more talented then, but BYU has some things to like on their side of the bunch too. Even with as good as shape it's been, there's something that just feels spooky about this game, about a young quarterback going on the road, West Coast, late night game against a good BYU team. Um, th this feels like all the ingredients of an upset here. I, I, I'm picking Baylor, and I think that they'll win, but BYU is going to give them everything they can have. Does late night in Provo not feel like a Mormon Morgantown? Yeah, with with uh, milk instead of alcohol. Yeah, right. Yeah, instead of moonshine, it's milk. Milk. I would say. I would say maybe. I I would like to think that that Provo would have a little bit uh, upper class instead of milk. They might go with uh, a fine sparkling water. Um, you know, until I can get there and find out for myself, milk is not a bad choice. Jones, I, I think the Mormons will be crazy, though. I, I do. Um, I like what you said about, you know, it being uh, this feels like feels like an upset. This is and I, I think here's what I think. And then this will be the last thing I say on this. Dave Aranda, I think, is a good enough coach to have his team ready to go into Provo because I think Dave Aranda knows that this is – he's not going to say it publicly, but he knows this is a trap game. Yeah. You you have to. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. It is uh, it is a trap game for sure. Uh, but there you have it. That's our uh, look around the Big 12 Conference this week. Coming up next, we are going to be joined by Mike Neighbors uh, to get a look around the NFL with the NFL season starting tonight. Later on, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, as well as our Tom Fullery Story of the Week. All that and more, Pigskin Pick'em included as well as we continue. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week to preview the upcoming NFL season that begins tonight and also to talk about his new book, The Breeze Way, a profile Andrew Breeze, is NFL insider Mike Neighbors, who is here with us. Mike, uh, appreciate you joining us. Your first time on the show, and uh, it feels like Christmas morning, doesn't it? Uh, football finally here. When you say that the NFL season has started, there's a different feeling to it. it, it it's amazing how the NFL – you know, is not only the most popular sport, but it does such a great job of keeping us going. And to me, the best example is when they release the schedule yeah. after the draft. I mean, we, we can't wait for that. We don't feel that in any other league, right? And then you have, you know, training camp just a few weeks later. Now the season's here. Yeah, we've been we've all been waiting for this. Yeah, we have. Uh, certainly excited uh, that we're going to have live, real meaningful football here beginning uh, this weekend in the NFL. Mike, uh, 
Before we get to the uh, business of the day and everything, uh, you got a new book out on uh, Drew Brees. Brees, a fascinating guy. I'm sure a lot of stories to uh, be told there. What uh, What's going on in this book uh, that you have here on Brees? It's the Brees way. And I was fortunate enough to interview Drew more than any uh, member of the media. We did an interview after every game for 14 of his 15 years in New Orleans. So when he retired, Tyler, I thought, you know what? I need to use all this material and compile it for a book. And along with the interviews we did after games is we did in-studio sessions, really in-depth interviews. And Drew's mentor is Doug Flutie, who he played with in San Diego when he first came into the league. And Doug Flutie wrote the foreword to the book. So you could be a Saints fan and love this book, but really if you're a football fan, you'll like this book. You don't have to uh, be a diehard black and gold fan. It's a uh, good behind the scenes stories of an underdog in football and somebody who wasn't, uh, you know, hyped up to be a future hall of fame, especially when he first got to new Orleans. So it was a great run with Drew in new Orleans and uh, I spotlighted in the book. Awesome. That's uh that's great. Uh, and uh I hear that you've been uh, taking some of these Saints players on uh, on errands and some yeah. celebrities. What's what's going on there? Tell me, tell me about that. Yeah, I have a production company, and we do a lot of work with a lot of different entities, a lot of nonprofits, a lot of different sports networks. But I created this concept called errands, where, frankly, I want to get to know athletes better. Um, in this day and age of social media, and it's not their fault. It's, it's the way of the world. They have their own platforms. So they can speak and communicate that way. And then the pandemic hit. And obviously we couldn't uh, be with athletes or have conversations with them like we used to. But we started this a couple of years before the pandemic. They pick two to three errands of their choice. We pick them up, have fun conversations in the car and then run the errands with them. And the Saints like the concept so much. They hired my company to produce them. And now we're on our fourth season. We used to do just former players. You know, we did Archie Manning, we did Morton Anderson, uh, Marcus Colston, Deuce McAllister, all the big names in Saints history. But now we've moved on to current players, and we just shot one with Jameis Winston. And so if you go to YouTube and hit Aaron's and New Orleans Saints, and you'll see it. And uh, the Jameis uh, interview was really fun for me because I've covered him since Florida State. And it was a chance to really fulfill my goal in this series of getting to know these guys, having that time to ask them the questions and uh, and developing a comfort level there. You know, it's not a press conference. It's not a crowded uh, media horde after a game. And I've found that the the players really like this setup. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I bet you've had some fun moments doing this too. Huh? Oh yeah. It was funny. The first one we did was with Joe Horn and, you know, it was the first one. So after we started the series, players learned how the setup was and they would have their errands picked in advance and Joe Horn didn't have anything picked. We're sitting outside the Superdome. He had just shot a promo for Bud Light. And so I said, why don't we go inside the Dome and reenact your cell phone celebration? And when he shot the Bud Light promo, they happened to have a flip phone. So it was almost perfectly choreographed that we went back in the Superdome, reenacted Joe Horn's uh, you know, famous cell phone celebration. He told us all about it. Then we went and played golf and went to his favorite seafood restaurant. Great conversations in between. I mean, Joe Horn doesn't like flying. Um, just, you know, we learn stuff about the all of these athletes, and they expound on it in ways they haven't before. And uh, imagine the, these errands are uh, probably different for everybody. Some guys go to the grocery store, others to the post office. I mean, <laughs> but you've been all over the place. Roman Harper's was fun because he said, I'm going to put you to work. And he did. He had this new apartment in New Orleans, 
So we went and picked up a couch. We went to Target and bought all these essentials for him. And I always kidded him about his gray hair. And he got a haircut afterwards, too, in his apartment after we moved the couch and all the essentials in. So he got a lot done. He got the most out of us in this in his uh, Aaron's episode. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Check those out on uh, YouTube, uh, Aaron's and some of the uh, favorite Saints players of the year. So let's start out with uh, the team that you cover the most, the New Orleans Saints here. Uh, some high expectations uh, for that team uh, with the moves they made this offseason. Uh whether it was the draft or free agency, uh, you know, bringing in Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry, uh, Mike, that, that, that team was, was very active in uh, making the moves they did. I think the national story uh, with the Saints and the reason they're not getting a lot of hype, and for good reason, really, is Sean Payton's not there anymore. I mean, Sean Payton changed the culture. He's a dynamic play caller, changed Drew Brees' trajectory. I mean, you know, I, I talk about Brees in the book and – I really believe this, that a lot of people say, well, if Miami would have, you know, signed Drew Brees when Nick Saban was there, that would have changed everything in college and pro football, and it would have. But I believe that Drew Brees wouldn't have had the same career with Nick Saban as he did with Sean Payton. He would have been a great quarterback, but I don't know if he'd be a future Hall of Famer. That's the impact Sean Payton had. But when I look at this Saints team, Tyler, here's where it really stands out for me. They were beating the Packers. They were beating the Patriots with the receiving core that didn't have Michael Thomas, that didn't have Jarvis Landry, that didn't have first-round pick Chris Olave. So you throw three, those three guys in there, it's going to be interesting. I mean, to me, it's all on Jameis Winston. The offensive line doesn't have Teron Armstead, but it's still a good offensive line. You have Alvin Kamara. You have all these receivers. You have you know your gadget guy, Taysom Hill, out there at tight end. It's all on Jameis to me because the defense is an elite defense. If Jameis can just not make the mistakes and be a serviceable quarterback, doesn't have to be great, just very good or good, I think the Saints win this up. Yeah, I mean, they could. We've seen uh, the Bucs have their issues on the offensive line uh, and you know a lot of momentum with this uh, New Orleans Saints team. What I wonder is about Dennis Allen, their new head coach, Things didn't go well when he was a head coach the first time with the Raiders. Uh, what's the expectation now? What's different about Dennis Allen? Uh, here we are, you know, 10 years later since he first became head coach of the Raiders, comparably speaking to, to them. Yeah, I think in those days, nobody was doing well with the Raiders. And Dennis Allen was a young coach, so it was not the greatest situation for him. He didn't have the personnel uh, to make him successful, but he's learned a lot. And I think that situation will help him in New Orleans. And what will also help him is you see this all the time. And a lot of head coaching situations, they're taking over jobs where they got to rebuild for a while, like Dan Campbell up in Detroit. I think it's interesting in the NFC South, you have two head coaches who are taking over situations that are great. You know, Todd Bowles with the Bucks and Dennis Allen with the Saints. And Dennis Allen rebuilt this Saints defense. I mean, a big misnomer about the New Orleans Saints, Tyler, is since 2017, everybody talks about Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Since 2017, coming off three straight seven and nine seasons, it's been the defense. The defense has carried this football team, and a big part of that is Dennis Allen redoing what Rob Ryan you know, failed to do, frankly. So the defense, he'll be very comfortable with that. Uh, Sean Payton's not there anymore, but Pete Carmichael's been the play caller with Sean Payton and the offensive coordinator since Sean Payton arrived in 2006. So 
there's continuity there. Jameis Winston has a comfort level with Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen. So I think that will bode well for Allen. I think he's learned a lot since his Raider days. Yeah, I think he has. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what uh, he ultimately puts together there. You mentioned uh, Jameis Winston uh, leading the offense. The the weapons around him, I mean, that's a, that's a good group on that offensive side of the ball here. What, what do you make of uh, the additions that they made uh, on offense, adding in Landry and how that offense is going to look here uh, with, with Carmichael back and everything? Yeah, I think the big thing with the, with the Saints is Alvin Kamara and his – pending case i thought right. we would hear more about that at, at this point and, and we may i mean there, there's apparently a video out there and if that surfaces you know we've seen it in the nfl when a video surfaces they act swiftly so i think that's a delicate situation for the saints but for right now it looks okay and you know i don't want to you know underplay what alvin Kamara did or the links that um that he potentially hurt somebody but alvin Kamara is the face of this franchise since drew Brees left and Jameis, frankly, didn't use Kamara to the links that Breeze did a year ago. But I think that will change this year. And let's just say the case uh, plays out and he's not suspended or the suspension is, isn't as great as we had thought. That's huge for this football team because with the receiving core and with all the additions they've made, having an Alvin Kamara back there makes us a very balanced offense. And along with the elite defense, boy, I mean, if Jameis can play decent and you have Alvin Kamara – for most of the year, I really like this Saints team. I mean, I, I don't really find a weakness in them, but it all comes down to the question marks with Kamara and can Jameis straighten out a lot of things that he's, uh, you know, been plagued with in terms of bad decisions over the years. Yeah. I got to tell you, Mike, I'm really excited about Chris Olave. I remember watching last year at Ohio State and that first game against Minnesota when he went off. And I said to people around me, I'm like, they, got, they have an NFL-wide receiver starting for Ohio State right now. And sure <laughs> yeah. enough, they had two of them with Garrett Wilson, too. Okay. Um, now you add him into this offense here, I, I would expect Chris Olave is going to have an immediate impact here. What, what is he going to bring to the Saints here? Well, that's a very uh, good observation by you because I asked Jameis when we shot Aaron's to kind of break down the receivers. And it's funny, in these Aaron's episodes, there's so much good material that we can't air it all right so he, he told me about Alave that he's one of those guys that right away you feel like he's going to make a difference you know some rookies it takes you know half the season or maybe a full year but he feels like Alave is that guy that stepped right in and you know he felt it right away that he could be a difference maker you know it's crazy you know when you break down these Saints wide receivers and Jameis did it that he, he loves the hands of Jarvis Landry just doesn't drop anything you know, Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas. I mean, if he can regain his form, and he's never had the complimentary parts that he'll have this year with Olave and Jarvis Landry. That's why I'm amazed that people are sleeping on the Saints the way they are because of all these factors. I mean, when Jameis was blowing out, it wasn't him, but he did a lot of damage against the Packers in the season opener a year ago, and they managed the game well, winning on the road against the Patriots. You had Marquez Calloway. You had Traquan Smith. Camaro was big, but they weren't using him like Breeze was. And they're still winning games. I mean, right. he has all these weapons now. That will be the interesting part for me to see how they're going to use all these guys. And, you know, I, I, Jameis can throw the ball downfield. And I think Alave is going to be a big part of that. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, let's uh, move on uh, to that, uh, that defense real quick. Uh, we mentioned adding Tyron Matthew, bringing him home 
to Louisiana. He was so good in Kansas City. They're helping them win a Super Bowl. And now coming to this a New Orleans Saints defense, you know, last year wasn't Tyron Matthews' best year in Kansas City, but now coming home to New Orleans like this, he seems pretty excited. Maybe this is the uh, the boost he needed of some sorts, uh, that, that extra kick there uh, to, to come home to New Orleans like this. Yeah, and to me this says a lot about the Saints front office in terms of filling gaps, and they've been – you know, in, in cap hell for a while. Let's be honest with you. They've had cap issues for, for many years now, but they, you know, see Malcolm Jenkins retire. And Marcus Williams is a guy who was part of that 2017 draft class, Tyler. Right. Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchek, Alvin Kamara. They really like Marcus Williams, but they couldn't afford him and they had to let go of somebody. And we're still waiting to see what happens with Marcus May, who they brought in uh, to, to help in that safety position. But yeah, Tyron Matthew, to me, is is an upgrade over Malcolm Jenkins. And Malcolm Jenkins was a very good player for the New Orleans Saints, steady player, but I think he is going to get a boost playing at home. Um, he's going to get a boost being a veteran on a Saints secondary that's very young for the most part. You know, Marshawn Lattimore has been around, but you know everybody can learn under Tyron Matthew. Being in your hometown, being that leader, and knowing the Saints can be a great football team, and he can be a leader on an elite defense where you have leaders in every segment. You have DeMario Davis leading the linebacking core. You have Cam Jordan leading the defensive line. And so I, I think they have a lot of leaders, and he's not going to have to be that guy, but he can be a key component, and I know he's excited about that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's, let's go around the league, get your thoughts on uh, some of these other teams uh, throughout this season. We mentioned the uh, Buccaneers earlier and and uh, what's believed to be Tom Brady's last hoorah of sorts, but things kind of – feel different you're you're you live uh in tampa mike and uh have seen this uh this bucks program and you know with tom taking a, you know several days off and and the way that we've seen him talk uh to the media you know i mean he showed up looking kind of struggling a couple weeks ago i mean new head coach with todd bowles and everything here does just it's just mean or things feel kind of weird kind of different right now in tampa than uh maybe what they were even last year well, I'm going to let Tom have his personal life, but it just shows to me I've never seen anything like this where an athlete is almost the de facto CEO there because he controls what he wants to do, when he wants yeah. to talk to the media, when I'm going to leave training camp. And Manny can say he's earned that right, but obviously there's something going on because the Tom Brady we all know doesn't want to miss anything. He doesn't want to miss practice. He wants to stay on top of his football uh, game in a lot of ways but when I look at this football team I think Brady will be fine when he gets back but what's going to affect Brady to me is protection and that's why the New Orleans Saints have had so much success with Tom Brady I mean they've beaten him four or five meetings since he's been with the Bucks, and that one loss was a biggie in the playoffs but I really think you know you see Ali Marpet retire you see Ryan Jensen likely out for the year or he's going to miss some time I I don't like the fact for the Bucks that Gronk, we'll see if he comes back. But if he doesn't come back, Gronk really helped that offensive line. You know, he had some wear and tear as a playmaker, sure. catching footballs. But that's a big loss to that offensive line. You couple that with Marpet and Jensen, you're playing a lot of young guys. Um, you know, Shaq Mason was a great pickup, but there's just a lot of holes there. And that's how you beat Tom Brady, is you put pressure on him. And if teams can do that, I think that's not going to be good for the Bucs. I mean, I'm not real high on this Julio Jones pickup. I mean, anybody who saw Julio Jones play in Tennessee a year ago, there's not much tread left on the tires. I mean, it's a right. great name. It sounds great 
uh, in marketing and in fantasy football, but I'm not I'm not sold on that. I think the defense has holes. The secondary took a step back from a year ago. Devin White took a step back from a year ago. You're, you're losing Ndamukong Sue. You're losing Jason Pierre-Paul. I think the Bucs have a lot of question marks. We just broke down the Saints, Tyler. I think when you look at it, the Saints are better on paper heading into the season. But, boy, so much can happen. Uh, injuries can happen left and right. But I, I think the Bucs have a lot of question marks, a lot of concerns. Yeah, I, I think they do. Um, not saying they won't figure it out, but right. uh, there there are some many uh, concerns there with that uh, Bucks team. Going to be fascinating to see how it uh, all plays out. When you look at that NFC, Mike, I mean, it feels like this is wide open. The AFC, yeah. we'll talk about that in a second. Everybody's saying Bills, and then everyone else after that. But the NFC here, I could probably talk to five different people of who's going to win the NFC and maybe <laughs> get four or five different answers. Yeah. You know, it's funny if you're uh, the Broncos or the Raiders, you're thinking, why can't I play in the NFC? I have a great team. We'd be built to win and we'd probably be a favorite over there. But we're in this division, uh, you know, with the Chiefs and the Chargers. I, I think when you look at the NFC, to me, I, I mean, the Rams are, are my favorite. I mean, they won it all last year. I think they're a bad matchup for the Bucks in a lot of ways, and, and the Bucks are obviously a name up there. I still say the Saints are a dark horse. If they if they can get Jameis on track and Kamara you know, isn't suspended, I love the defense for the New Orleans Saints. I think they got a little chip on their shoulder uh, with the you know with them being an underdog nationally. But I would say Rams um, and Bucks and Saints right now. I, I mean, you look at the Packers. I, I think you know I, I don't like them. The some of the losses they've had and. Um, you know, like you said, though, I mean, there's a lot of names you could pick out there. The Cowboys may be a, a dark horse, too. But I would say Rams and then kind of Bucks and Saints. We'll see what happens with those two teams. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the the AFC side of things, now let's move over there. The, uh, the Bills uh, won AFC championship game appearance. And the, the talk about them is it's like they're the reigning Super Bowl champions or something. Right. I mean, they're even favored tonight against the uh, reigning Super Bowl champs on the road here. I mean. Some high expectations for Josh Allen and company there in Buffalo, it seems. Well, that overtime rule uh, was for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, we knew that game when we saw it against the Chiefs, you just felt like if it kept going, the Bills would probably win that game just the way they were playing. Uh, Maybe. I mean, I I think you talked to a lot of people, maybe 50-50 on that, but that was just an epic football game, one of the best playoff games we've seen in recent memory. And, you know, good for Buffalo, right? Buffalo struggled for a long time. I always root for a market that hasn't seen a winner in some time. I mean, when it looked like Baker Mayfield was turning around the Browns a couple of years ago, you kind of, I, I do as somebody who likes sports, you, you, you don't want to see a, a market struggle for that long. I mean, I, I was a Bucks fan for a long time growing up and that was, that wasn't pretty. So I, I think good for Buffalo. I, I think it's good to have um, a team that hasn't had success to get a quarterback and to build around that quarterback, not only offensively, but defensively too. You know, that's why people love the NFL, because it can happen so fast. I mean, a couple of years, Buffalo, nobody was talking about them like this. Right. And now they are. That's why we love the NFL, because if Russell Wilson can go to a Denver, all of a sudden, boy, they look really good and they have a chance. And you can't say that about a lot of sports. They have a chance. There's a handful of teams that have a chance. But in the NFL, we just talked about the NFC. A lot of teams have a chance. AFC. A lot of teams have a chance. All the Super Bowl predictions, for the most part, are all over, are all over the place. But when you see Major League Baseball, you see the NBA, you kind of know, for the most part, who you think is going to be there. That's why we love the NFL.
Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Who do you think is the biggest threat to the uh, Bills in that AFC? You know what? I, the division is crazy because, uh, you know, it used to be the Patriots, right? Uh, I, th- I think the Dolphins will be a very interesting team. I mean, the Dolphins, to me, are a lot like the Saints, where if they get good quarterback play, it can take them from here to here. You know, I really feel like if Tua has a big year, and he, he has no excuse, kind of like Jameis has no excuse. They've given you everything to succeed. Dolphins, a very interesting team in the AFC. But boy, I mean, you know, the division of the year, or you know, is the is the Raiders division, the Chiefs division, the Chargers division. Uh, I mean, the Broncos. Let's see what happens there. Um, I think you're going to get multiple teams out of there to make the playoffs. I still like the Chiefs. I, I still am a big Mahomes uh, fan, and and I feel like the Chiefs will win that division. Uh, but I, I'm going to watch out for the Bills and the Chiefs. I, I just still feel like they're the elite in the AFC. I like the Chargers. I like what the Broncos have done. I like the Raiders. But, you know, I, I just still feel like the Bills and the Chiefs are a little better than everybody else. The Chiefs without Tyreek Hill, uh, that's yeah. going to be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, I, I have a theory on this, Mike, that, you know, yes, they, they aren't as talented in that receiving course. They were a year ago without Tyreek Hill. But when you look at what Tyreek Hill did, a lot of it times was bailing out Patrick Mahomes on these deep throws. Right. I mean – Patrick Mahomes could become a better pass route of this by not forcing things down the field and being more effective in the short passing game. Maybe in the long run, this is potentially better for Patrick Mahomes here. Covering Drew Brees for so many years, and frankly seeing this with Tom Brady, you see this with elite quarterbacks. They make receivers look good. They do, Tyler. I mean, we've just seen that over and over again. And, you know, Drew Brees didn't have a – all-pro wide receiver until Michael Thomas, even though Colson should have been. Think about right. that. Think about how many great years he had. He won a Super Bowl without ever having an uh, all-pro wide receiver. That's why I believe in Mahomes. Yeah, Tyree Kill is a huge loss, but Mahomes will make his guys better. And when you have a guy like that, Aaron Rodgers-type quarterback, and I still think you know having Kelsey and ha- having Andy Reid, all of that, that's why I believe in the Chiefs. Uh, you know, he's – Patrick Mahomes will will make do with what he has, and he'll find the next superstar. Yeah. So, uh, give as we're kind of wrapping up here, uh, give me some picks. Uh, who do you have uh, winning the Super Bowl and uh, winning the MVP this year? All right, because we're recording this, and I'll look like a genius later, or I could look like an idiot, but I'll take the risk of maybe looking like a genius. I'm going to pick the Saints. I'm going to pick the Saints to go to the Super Bowl and they're going to play the Buffalo Bills. How about okay. That? How about that? Okay. I, that, that would be uh, that'd be something if that happens. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, it, and it goes right in line with uh, what we were saying of uh, how open the NFC is. So many options yeah. there. Who who wins it? You t- would you take the Bills or the Saints there? I think the Bills win. I think okay. the Bills beat the Saints, but the Saints have a heck of a run. Jameis Winston turns his career around, gets the big contract, and people forget this. Jameis Winston – He's only 27 years old. Right. We feel like Jameis Winston won the Heisman when he was a freshman. At the time, the youngest Heisman Trophy winner ever. And I asked Jameis and Aaron's this. I said, you've been through a lot in 10 years. A lot of, you know, I didn't put it like this, but, you know, a lot of it was his doing. But he's 27. How old do you feel? And he just started laughing. Because I want, he didn't give me an answer. But people, I think, think Jameis Winston is older than 27. If he has a turnaround year this year, Boy, he has a lot of time to be a great player in the NFL. I think part of that, too, is 
just the nation has known him since he was 18 years old. Exactly. Know? Exactly. So it feels like that, you know, we we've known Jameis, you know, so long when he's not really that old either. So yeah, uh, that's a good point there with, with Jameis Winston there. What about, uh, what about the MVP? Who, who wins the league MVP this year? I think Josh Allen is the, the cream of the crop. Uh, you know, it's hard to bet against Mahomes, but I think Josh Allen has a better football team and Josh Allen will have a better season. And I think that's why he wins MVP. All right. So there you have it. Uh, Mike Neighbors joining us here on the Jones Sports this week. Mike, uh, before we go, plug away. Where can people find <laughs> you and also uh, get your book as well? Yeah, I appreciate it. The Breeze Way, uh, my conversations with Drew Brees, a behind-the-curtain look at one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. You don't have to be a Saints fan to like it. Available on Amazon or uh, contact me, my website, Mike Neighbors, N-A-B as in boy, O-R-S, MikeNeighbors.com. And you can find me on Twitter, uh, my, at Mike Neighbors, N-A-B-O-R-S. Awesome. Uh, great stuff there, Mike. Uh, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. We'll duck in down the line. Absolutely. Have a great season, Tyler. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. You can also reach out to Bo by phone. At 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. As Coach Bo joins us right now, and he's also the host of the Coach Bo Knows podcast, out each and every Monday and Friday, and freshly recovered from COVID. Bo, welcome back. Glad you're doing better. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, last week when we got together and did this, I was starting to feel crummy, and I didn't realize what I had till the next morning and realized I had COVID. And so I spent four or five days inside and just kind of kept to myself and watched a lot of football, which was fun. And then uh, now I feel a lot better and I'm back at it. So trying to catch up business-wise has been kind of bear. But What was worse, COVID or LSU's loss? Ooh, that's a good question. I am vaxxed and everything and boosted, so my effects of COVID weren't bad. But uh, I almost had a coronary watching LSU, so – I think LSU's uh, the way they played, they should have lost by 30. It's ridiculous how bad they played. Um, yeah, my Tigers by gave me a coronary, and then I just I just dropped to my knees at the, and they got the extra point block. Man, that was uh, that was brutal. Both teams deserved to lose that game. Yeah, I didn't think either team really was trying to win. It just it looked bad. Florida State's not as good a team, but they played better and they deserved the win. Yeah, uh, Bo, the the uh, picks last week you went three and seven. Yeah, Tom went six and four. I went five and five. Not a great week for you record wise, but I hear you made uh, some money there with legal betting in Kansas. Now. Yeah, you know we got legal betting here in Kansas, so I've already got a couple of apps up. And you know I don't choose the games we pick here. Because, like, I would not have bet on hardly any of these games last week. I think of the 10 games in our spot last week, I think I only bet on one, and that was the Arkansas game. And I, I won that. That's a game so, you won. Yeah. That's a game I won. Um, yeah, I think on my bets last weekend, I think I went five out of six. Okay. So. Very nice. Here's the uh, slate of games this week. Uh, college football-wise, Alabama and Texas. Alabama favored by 20. Baylor and BYU. BYU favored three and a half. 
USC Stanford, USC favored by nine, Arizona State, Oklahoma State. Tom and I, we're going to be at that game. Oklahoma State favored by 11. Houston and Texas Tech, Tech favored by three. On the NFL side, the Bills and Rams, the opener tonight on Thursday night football, Buffalo favored by two and a half. Chiefs and Cardinals, Chiefs favored by four and a half. The Bucs and the Cowboys, Bucs favored by two and a half in Dallas. The Raiders and the Chargers, the Chargers a three-point favorite at home with an asterisk, really. Uh, Patriots, Dolphins, Dolphins favored by three. So we'll uh, go ahead and get started with the uh, college picks for this week. Tom, uh, you uh, you won last week, uh, so go ahead and get us started this week uh, with picks. Who are you going with Alabama and Texas with uh, Bama favored by 20? You know, I have picked against Nick Saban before, and I've also picked correctly against Texas, so by – almost like a transitive property. I'm going to go ahead and pick Alabama. I like – I think they can get it done by at least 21. Okay. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I have my doubts about Texas for obvious reasons. Quinn Ewers, I could not think of a team I would – that is worse to face in your second start than Alabama. Uh, I guess the one thing that Texas has going for them here, it's at home, but – you could play this in Siberia. You could play this in Tuscaloosa, Austin. I don't care. Alabama would win this game, and they would cover and win this game pretty bad. I'll go with Alabama to cover. Bo, how about you? Um, I This is one of those games I actually like this week, and I think this is Bama all the way. Like I don't think this game is going to be close from the get-go. I don't think Texas has any chance in this game. Um, if I was going to bet, and I probably will put something on this game, I'll take Bama. Baylor taking on BYU. BYU a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Bo, the telling thing for me here is that you get three points for being the home team. Vegas likes BYU a little bit better than a top-ten team in Baylor here. Two future Big 12 uh, opponents uh, beginning things a little early, a year early. BYU favorite here. What do you think about this one? I think the wrong team's the favorite here. BYU is going to – I mean, Baylor's going to win this game outright. So if you're going to give me a chance to take Baylor plus three and a half, I'm taking the points. I, I'm still standing by Baylor is going to go undefeated in the Big 12 and is going to the playoff. I'm, uh, I'm there with you. I think the wrong team's favorite here. I'm going to go with uh, Baylor here as well to uh, get things done on the road. Uh, very nice road win. You'll take that over a top 25 team. Tom, who do you got? Well, Jones, I'm going to have to triple y'all up and say that I like Baylor too. Uh, Bo, a little, uh, little aggressive saying that um, – a little aggressive saying that Baylor's not going to lose a game and go into the playoff. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I'll agree with you this week. Okay. USC taking on Stanford, Lincoln Riley's primetime debut with uh, the Trojans this game in uh, Stanford. USC favored by nine here. Tom, we know USC's got a great offense, and they had a, a really good debut last week. The hard part for me is not about USC. It's about Stanford. I, I don't know much where the Stanford team's at right now. I, I guess I'd lean towards USC, but – uh, I, I just don't know enough about this Stanford team right now. 
Yeah, no, neither do I. And and so that for that fact, I'll take USC. I don't think this isn't this isn't your high school glory days, Stanford. Um, and I think they're a long way off of it. Um, you know, it's been 11, 12 years since Andrew Luck and a lot longer since Richard Sherman. It's this is not the same Stanford we've come to to know. Okay. Uh so Tom and I get USC. Bo, who you got? I'm taking USC. This is actually the game of the week for me. I think this is the best bet on the board in college football. I think USC is going to dominate this game. And I'll go a step further. I, I'm big on Baylor. I'm big on USC. I think USC, and I'm convinced if you're watching Utah last week, I think that USC is going to run the table in the Pac-12, and they are going to be in the playoff. Okay. So you're riding with uh, SC there. I think SC. Tom and I, uh, we're going to be at this Arizona State-Oklahoma State game. The Pokes are favored by 11. Tom, I like Oklahoma State to win. I'm sure you feel the same way, but giving up 44 points to Central Michigan last week, I cannot confidently pick Oklahoma State to beat anybody by double digits right now because that that defense, it's, it's got a ways to go based on last week's performance. With that, I'll go with Arizona State to cover. They come within the 11-point margin, but I'm going with OSU to win outright. How about you, Tom? You know what? I am very critical of OSU. I have been for a while. I was last year. I even said Derek Mason should run the stairs of the defense. That being said, I like them. I like them to win by 14, and I like them to do the same thing they did to Central Michigan uh, in the first half, kind of give them the business. I really do. Um, Now, that being said, I think the defense changes some things up. I think they make the adjustments. They have a week to make the adjustments. Arizona State beat a Northern Arizona team. It wasn't worth a shit. I think OSU changes some things up. I think they fix some things, and I think they get the job done by at least two touchdowns. Okay. Uh, so, Tom, going with Oklahoma State here. Bo, what do you what say you? Uh, I'm, I'm on Oklahoma State here, too, and, and I, I, there are going to be a lot of points scored this game. Um, I'm not big on Arizona State. The biggest thing on betting a week two is to not get too caught up in what happened week one. And the, my only concern is that Oklahoma State gave up, you know, 22 points in the fourth quarter against Central Michigan. But they were up so far that you know they're playing, you know, they're going four wide the whole time and throwing the ball around. But isn't That's that also happen. the dangerous territory when we talk about these spreads too? Yeah, when these spreads get big like this. but. I do like Oklahoma State here. I think it's a home game for them. I, I, I think Oklahoma State's a fine team. I think they're the second best team in the Big Twelve, and I think that they'll uh, they'll put up some numbers. And I think they cover here. All right. Uh, so there we have it. Uh, Oklahoma State from Bowen Town. I go with Arizona State. Last college game here: Houston and Texas Tech. Texas Tech favored by three, but Tyler Schaff. The Texas Tech quarterback is out. Uh, Bo, as you like to say, wrong team favorite here. Houston's top 25 team. Texas Tech is at their quarterback. I know they're at home, but I like Houston to cover and to win outright, personally. I would love Texas. I love Houston to, come, to not just cover, but to win outright as well. I would take a love a two-game parlay of taking Baylor and Houston on the money line. Um, I may end up doing that because I think they're both going to win. 
Um, Houston played a great game last week against Texas San Antonio. Um, I watched all the second half of that game. It was outstanding. Both those teams were really, really good. Um, I like Houston here. I don't know what I think about Texas Tech. This is one of those where you might overreact because Texas Tech won in a big-time fashion week one. But I don't think they're going to have the horses to to play with a superior team in Houston. Okay. Uh, Tom, uh, who are you uh, going with in uh, this one here? You said Tech is without their starting quarterback? Tyler Schaff is out, yes. Who is the backup? The backup is Donovan Smith, a uh, redshirt sophomore. Hmm. And Texas Tech is favored by? Texas Tech is uh, favored by three and a half here at home. And it's in Lubbock? Or by three, rather, yes. It's uh, not an 11 a.m. kick? Uh, I don't know what the time that game is. Well, whatever it is, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna ride with Tech. UTSA is a good three o'clock under- kick. Three o'clock kick. Three o'clock kick. Give me Tech in Lubbock. I like Tech in this game. I like Houston too. Um, I like what their future holds. Uh, being in Lubbock and after Houston coming off of a game that they should have lost against UTSA, give me Tech. Okay, to the NFL we go. Bills and Rams to open up the season. The Rams, the defending Super Bowl champs. The Buffalo Bills, the Super Bowl favorites for this year. Despite the game being in L.A., the Bills are favored by two and a half. And, Bo, I mean, the Bills favored here on the Rams getting their their Super Bowl rings and everything. Are the Rams being disrespected? No, I don't think so. These are the two Super Bowl favorites. They're the two teams I picked to go to the Super Bowl. I, I, a lot of this is that Buffalo now has really the best team. They have the – I mean, they were going and got Vaughn Miller, got the pass rusher, the better offense. You know, the Rams don't have Odell Beckham. If you remember at the end of the season, right before the playoffs, that was a big reason the Rams went on that run late in the season was adding Odell Beckham, gave him another dimension to that offense. I think they're going to be hurting without him, without him being out. Um, right now he's actually injured and he's a free agent. But I do expect him to sign back with the Rams at some point. Um, I'm not as confident in my NFL picks as I am my college picks, but I kind of like Buffalo to cover here. I am going with Buffalo here too, and I'm concerned about Got, uh, about Matthew Stafford's elbow at this point. Uh, I don't know how close he is to 100%. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Buffalo to win and cover uh, on the road. Tom, uh, let's see. Are, are you taking your team here? I want to take my team. I think the Rams are getting disrespected. Um, for what it's worth, mute me or uh, bleep me. Fuck Buffalo. I think Buffalo is getting some undue hype. Um, you know, you lose to a buff or you lose to a Cincinnati Bengals team last year that had no business being in the Super Bowl. Um, especially, the Chiefs. especially after the after the Bills did what they needed to do. The Bills uh, lost to the Chiefs. Oh, sorry, sorry, you know what I meant. So the Bills yeah, lost the Bengals that beat the Chiefs. That. So that that shows you how much I give a shit about Buffalo. Give me the Rams, the wrong team's favorite here. Give Aaron Donald his respect. Uh, it'll be. I'm going to say 31-24 Rams. 
Okay. Chiefs and Cardinals. The Chiefs favored by four and a half on the road. Bo, uh, four and a half, that feels like a lot, but the Cardinals, without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games here, I'm going to go with uh, Kansas City to uh, cover. I think they win by a touchdown. I think this is like a 34-27 win for Kansas City. What say you? Well, I think in the end the Chiefs outscore the Cardinals. I don't. I think this is going to be a higher scoring game. Um, I don't feel real good either way on the four and a half. But if I had to lean one way or the other, I would go with the Chiefs. Um, again, I think you you hit nail on the head. You got no Hopkins. I don't know that Kyler Murray's ready to go into a shootout with Patrick Mahomes. And you could you could argue that you know Mahomes doesn't have Tyreek Hill anymore. There's still plenty of weapons. They're still going to score a lot of points. I like the Chiefs here. I think it's close. I don't think it's a full seven or eight, but I can see it being, I think, four, five, six, about right. And so four and a half scares me. But if I had to be, I got to make a pick. I'm going Chiefs minus the four and a half. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I'll go with the Chiefs straight up, too. I, I think I think they start off the year pretty hot. Um, and I think they know they need to. And Andy such... Reid's the king of September. I like him, you know. And he's they got they know they have to start up. They they know they can't mess around in the division this year. Yeah. Uh, Bucks and Cowboys. Cowboys are at home. Tom Brady coming back. They do have some offensive line issues, but I'm not picking the Cowboys over Tom Brady and the Bucks. I mean. Bucks favored by two and a half. Are we just all going with the Bucks here? No. Whoa, 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 Tom. Tell me. Okay, you go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. I'm taking the Cowboys. I I think I think that Mike McCarthy, I think he has something to prove. Um, and I don't trust Mike McCarthy a whole lot, even if he had to 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 prove that, you know, even if he I don't I could say a lot of things, so I'm gonna not say anything. But he has a lot to prove. And I, I think that he knows that if he doesn't do well this year or doesn't, you know, even make the divisional round of the playoffs, I think he's done. I think this is a statement game for the Cowboys. As much as I freaking hate Dallas, um, you know, I, I'd somewhat hate Tom Brady more considering I should have went to his last game and his dumbass decided to come back. Um, not, I'm not picking the Cowboys for that reason because I'm mad at Tom Brady. He ruined my, my legendary sports moment. Um, but I'm picking the Cowboys. I think they got something to prove. I think Tampa Bay falls off. I don't care if it's Tom Brady anymore. Um, I, I think, I think the Cowboys will start off hot and then maybe cool off later on in the season. Give me Dallas. I like it. Tom's been predicting the demise of Tom Brady and the Bucks before he even arrived in Tampa. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's my town now. It's Tom. Tampa Bay, the Thomas Bridges Tampa Bay, until Brady can redeem it. Uh, I think his seven Super Bowls say otherwise. The Raiders taking on the Chargers. Oh, I haven't got to make a pick here yet. I thought you said you were taking the Bucs. No, I did not say that I was taking the Bucs. Okay. I said I have flip-flopped three times on this game. Okay. I'm taking the Bucs, yes. But I'm taking the Bucs for the exact reason that Tom's taking the Cowboys. I don't think Mike McCarthy can coach his way out of a little league game. And I, this is, well, this is Sunday night football. 
This is this is Tom Brady. I think that that gets it done. If I think if this game were not the primetime game week one, I think I'd pick the Cowboys. But I don't trust McCarthy. Uh, and I think the better team is Dallas. All right, from one to 52, the best team, better team is the Dallas Cowboys. But I, I've already said and predict. oh, yeah, don't look at me like that. Absolutely. The better team is the Cowboys. This Brady's got maybe the best receivers he's ever had. No, this is the this is they're, they're, they're gonna fall off offensively a great deal. Mike Evans is gonna lose a step this year. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of this. And, and I think this his is, receivers you know, are fing washed. And and his, and the and all and the father time is not gonna be nice to Tom Brady's arm this year. It wasn't last year, it wasn't the year before, but everyone fell he in led the league in touchdowns. He everybody fell in love with the statistics, but they had to come back so many times in games. And it's just a different animal. I'm telling you, I agree with Tom on this a lot. But I think that Tom is washed. I don't think he really wants to play this season. I think this whole I I got a whole conspiracy theory on why he's playing. He's only playing because he wanted to dispel the myths of the Dolphins deal, which we know is true. He wanted to be the commander of, of whether he was going to retire or not. In Ooh, the end, here, Chase Bray. The, the, the other thing is there's no Bruce Arians around to right this ship throughout the season. In Brady's case, that might be a good thing. Bruce Arians and him had conflict. Yeah, but not as much as we're I don't know. I don't know about, I don't know that I necessarily believe all that. I I think in the long run the Cowboys are a better team, but I do think that the Bucks will win this game, and I think the Bucks, if they play the Cowboys in the playoffs, will win because McCarthy just can't coach. Yeah, McCarthy's absolutely coaching for his job, and I, I don't think it's divisional round or bust. I think if they don't go to the Super Bowl, that he's getting fired, and Sean Payton is the next coach of the Cowboys. You may be right. Last uh, last two games here. Raiders Chargers, uh, the uh, Chargers favored by three. Uh, you guys know I am high on this Chargers team. I have them winning that division. The Raiders are good too. I think this is going to be a shootout. It's going to be a lot of points. It's going to feel like a Big Twelve game. Uh, but give me the uh, Chargers to a uh, win and cover there, despite being a road game at home there in their own stadium in LA. I'll uh, I'll take the Chargers to cover three. How about you, Bob? I think the Chargers are going to rip. Out of the out of the Raiders, this game is three points is easy money for me. This out of the five games you've given me here in the NFL, this is the one I'm the most sure of. The one I actually like. I like the Chargers, and I don't think this game is close. I like the Chargers to win the AFC West as well. All right, uh, how about you, Tom? I like the Raiders to come out and make a statement. I think everybody's. I think everyone's undervaluing. The freaking Las Vegas Raiders. I like the Derek Carr, Devontae Adams match. I think Hunter Renfro has a great season. I think that defense is is underrated. I maybe I'm bitter because like Jones, you said this shouldn't. For one, there's going to be more Raiders fans than Chargers fans. Chargers need to get their own damn stadium. Uh, SoFi is the Rams stadium. They're just borrowing it. Um, yeah, don't my Cronky. Yeah. Right, so screw the Chargers. Not even because of that. Give me the Raiders. They might. What's what's the spread? Chargers by how much? Three. Yeah, give it give it to me. I I think this could be. I think you know what's it's very early. Obviously, week one in the season. This is the first game I could really seeing being 
being split. All right, last game here. Patriots and Dolphins. Games in Miami. Dolphins are favored by three. Bo, what, what's interesting here is that the Patriots have had the Dolphins number for quite some time. Even, what is it, two years past the Tom Brady era, the Patriots still have won the first matchup between these two teams each of the last two years. Um, with all that said, I know that a lot of people are selling this Patriots team. Mac Jones in his second year battled two former Alabama quarterbacks, two former teammates in Tua and Mac Jones here. With Miami favored by five at home, who do you got? I, I've i gone back and forth on this game as well. Everything you just said was what made me want to pick the Patriots. Belichick's had their number. I'm not sure about Tua, all those things. I took the roster from one to 52. The Dolphins are the better team. I, there's no big game element to this that's like an X factor for me. So I'm taking the Dolphins, but I don't feel confident at all in this game. I wouldn't bet this game at all. You'd stay away. and you'd Yeah, I'd definitely stay away from this game. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I agree with Bo. I wouldn't touch this game with money. Um, I do think the Dolphins end up being a better team. I think they have more talent. I think Mac overall is better than Tua, but he doesn't have near the the talent um, that Tua is going to have. Uh, with that being said, like I said, I wouldn't touch it with money, but give me the Dolphins. This is the toughest game by far for me to pick out of the entire slate, college or NFL. Um I could see this really going either way on the cover. Um, so with that, I'll go with the safe bed. Give me the home team. Give me Miami. So there you have it. That's our uh, picks against the spread for this week. So, Bo, let's uh, go ahead and uh, shift gears now, continue in the uh, football fix this week, the NFL season. Let's give an NFL preview of sorts here. Yeah. Um, here we are. Uh, finally time for actual football on the field to be played. What are your expectations entering this 2022 NFL season? I um I think this this season's going to be interesting. I think that you would look at it. I've got to look at the fact that there's like almost like just two different ways this game's going to be played. You have the AFC with all the young quarterbacks, and you know we have what five or six of these quarterbacks, and, and I'll even throw Mahomes as the young quarterback. He's still what 26 something like that. Yeah. You look at Mahomes. You look at at Allen, Burrow, Herbert. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Lamar Jackson is the other one I like. Um, those five teams are all legit competitors. Um, I think every division is up for grabs um, outside of the of the AFC East. I think Buffalo is going to run that one away. But outside of that, I think there's competition in every division. Uh, the Bengals and the Ravens in the in the North. The South, I think, is a battle of the Colts and the Titans, which I think are two teams going in different directions. And then I think in the West, everybody loaded up. And I think the big thing that the Raiders didn't do that everybody else did, you can't have the worst quarterback in the division and think you're going to do, going somewhere. And they do. They have the worst quarterback in the division. And it's not even close. Um, I like the Chargers. I like the Bills. I like the Bengals. I like the char the, the the Chargers and the Bills as the two best teams. I could see 
the Chargers getting clipped by somebody in a playoff game. I don't think the Chiefs right now, I mean, the Chiefs have made their roster worse this year than last year, but I think it will help Mahomes in the long run. And what I mean by that is taking away what was kind of a cheat code in Tyreek Hill is going to actually make Mahomes a better quarterback in the long run. He's going to have to be more invested of how plays are done and not just what you draw up in the dirt. And I think we'll see the Chiefs come back a little bit. They still have every opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. They're talented enough. They have maybe the best quarterback in the league. But I do think in the long run, a 10 or 11 win season for the Chiefs here is actually a really good thing for Patrick Mahomes in 2023, 24, and 25. So you're going to see, I think you'll see a little bit of regression, but then a massive blast forward because I think it'll make him a better quarterback. I think that the Chargers were smart and loaded up with pieces. The Bills loaded up with some pieces they needed defensively, on you know, up front defensively. Um, it hurts they don't have Tredavious White for a few weeks, but I don't suspect they're going to have a lot of problems over in the East. So I do like Buffalo coming out of the AFC. In the NFC, there's one team I think is better than everybody, and that's the Packers. And a lot of it is that division. They're going to run away with that division. I know some people are big on the Vikings. Rogers going to throw the ball to, though. I don't – he really – outside of Devontae Adams, has he really ever had anybody to throw it to? Jordy Nelson was pretty solid. Yeah, he, he made those guys. He'll make these guys, too. I just – I think that outside of the Packers, and I will say the Rams as well, I think those two are the teams that are going to run away in their divisions. Um, I think that the Bucks are making their last stand, and I don't think it's going to be successful. Uh, I know I'm biased, but I think the Saints are going to win the South if Jameis Winston plays well. In the East, I like the Eagles. And again, I like the Eagles because I think they're, the, they're ascending. I like Jalen Hurts more than a lot of people do. And I don't think a lot of that's also how their coaching staff doesn't put too much on him. They don't make him drop back 45 times in a game. And I think the Cowboys are a talented team that's got a really bad head coach. And I just think that there's a – I've picked the Rams and I've picked the Bills in the two conferences, and I'm picking the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I'm also picking Josh Allen to be MVP. Okay. Uh, I got the Bills coming out of the AFC. The NFC is, is is tough to pick because I don't feel like there's a whole lot of separation there. The yeah. AFC, we're talking about the Bills and then a lot of good teams. With the NFC, it feels like there's several good teams, but maybe not an elite great team. And so I, I lean towards Tom Brady in the box. I'm thinking it's a Bills-Bucks Super Bowl and the Bills win it. In my MVP, I'm going with Justin Herbert. I think he gets it done and has a big year with that Chargers team that they really have a breakout year on that front. Tom, how about you? What's your uh, Super Bowl pick? Uh, who comes out of the AFC and the NFC and who wins it all? You know, I'm going to go ahead and say the uh, Rams and the Bills, too. I know I talked a lot of trash on the Bills earlier. Um, I do think they're good. I just think the Rams have got disrespected with the spread. I think maybe Vegas might be trying to lure some folks in. 
um, there. But um, I like the Rams to try and repeat. You know, it hasn't been done for a long time. I think the Rams have, you know, I think they've addressed their their depth concerns. You guys mentioned OBJ earlier. I think we're looking at Allen Robinson ready to have a breakout year. Van Jefferson is hurt currently, but if only for the first couple of weeks. He is going to be also great because Cup and Allen Robinson will draw a lot of attention, obviously. Will Cup have the triple crown again this year? Don't think so. I think he still has a great year. Stafford, I'm not worried about that elbow um, at all. And I, I think Cam Akers has got an offseason to, to keep on being healthy. Um, and I, I think he will be. I know there are some soft tissue injuries they talked about. I think they'll be fine. I think the Rams, this is the closest. If the Rams don't win the Super Bowl, this will be the closest team we see that almost running it back. Um, you know, you can say the Chiefs did too, got close, but the Bucks outplayed them in that Super Bowl. Um, the Bills are notoriously bad in the Super Bowl. Um, I'd like the Rams over the Bills in the Super Bowl. I like the Rams to repeat. Call me a homer if you must. Uh, I haven't felt this good about my team since last year. So I'm feeling good again. So Tom picked Oklahoma State to go to the playoff and the Rams to, to win the Super Bowl. Not biased at all. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I think another thing, and I but your team FC, I really do think it's a two-team race. I think that the the Rams and the Packers, and I I just don't see there's a big gap between them and everybody else. I think well, there's a lot of I don't I until I see something with Trey Lance, I really can't pick them. He can't be worse than Jimmy G. And they wouldn't. Well, I would agree with that. I would agree that because, especially in my case, I think that Jimmy G was a big reason holding that offense back. But now you have a whole different change of offense and style. And a guy who hasn't played much at a high level and to be a Super Bowl contender, you're going to have to play at a really high level. So I. I they're a team I'm looking at and can think, well, let's see what happens. But I don't like them yet. I, by midseason, I may change my my tune a little bit, but I I don't see them catching the Rams out last. I don't. Well, and for me with Tampa, there, there's one thing I point to, and I, I think it's uh, it's fascinating to look at, is that there's still a couple safety net options for them. You know, their big issue is that offensive line right now. Eric Fisher is still a free agent. J.C. Treader is still a free agent. Um, you know, they, they're – and that's just free agent guys, besides trades or whatever. If the offensive line issues continue in Tampa Bay, there are some some Band-Aids out there that, that could potentially still fix that problem if that ends up being an issue for them. Yeah, I, I don't think that's – I think you could be on to something there, but – I also think that the Bucs are going to have it rough with the first four games of the season. I mean, they play at Dallas, which is going to be a close game. Then they go to New Orleans, which, again, I think is all contingent on how Jameis Winston plays. He plays well. They're very good. I think they have the second-best defense in the league. Yeah. And then the Packers, they put, then the Bucs play the Packers and the Chiefs weeks three and four. If the Bucs don't get past the Cowboys – there's a chance they can come out 0-4. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, you're just not coming back from 0-4. Right. Um, yeah. Looking at this week, 
we picked five games, but the slate as a whole, Bo, this is one of the best week ones I've ever seen. And beyond just the great games, you get to that next batch, amazing storylines. Russell Wilson headed back to Seattle. Baker Mayfield playing his old team. I mean, cancel all your plans. Get your yard activities done on Friday afternoon, whatever you need to be, because, I mean, you you just need to be watching the Red Zone channel or whatever, all these games. It's going to be must-see TV all weekend. Yeah, I think there's a couple other games, a couple of the teams that I'm watching this season that I think are going to be better than people think. Um, I've already talked about the Eagles. I think the Eagles are going to be very, very good. And I know we see them on hard knocks, so you think, God, is it? are they really good or what are they? But I like what I see with the Lions. I like what Dan Campbell's doing. I like what he was doing last year before they were on hard knocks. So that's going to be an improved team. And, and they play week one. I mean, the Eagles and the Lions will be a slobber knocker. Those will be two tough, hard-nosed teams. Sell-out crowd at uh, Ford Field. First time that's happened in a yeah. long time. And another team I think is going to be one of those slobber knocker teams is the New York Jets. I know that. The, and another storyline, Joe Flacco starting. Joe Flacco is starting. He's team. against Baltimore. You know, and, and you know, if Baltimore has all the Lamar ja- all the Lamar Jackson stuff, trying to get a contract. And I like what the Jets are doing. I do. They go get quality young players. Robert Sloan's a good coach. And I just I like what I see there. They're going to be hard nosed and physical. And in the and in the NFL, if you can be physical, you can be with any team. Yeah. On any given day. Um so. let me ask you, you mentioned Lamar Jackson, his contract situation. Uh he says that he's given them a deadline of Friday to get a deal done. And if they don't have a deal done, then he will not negotiate during the season. They'll have to push things off till next offseason. Um, and everything we've heard is that they are not close in a deal. Things could change, but the Ravens have up their offer. But, Bo, that is a uh, situation where I think if Lamar doesn't get that deal, there, there, there's going to be some hurt feelings there. I think so, too. And I think, you know, he's representing himself. And it's always hard. You know, it's easy when you have a, an agent is there to – to help, you know, when the team is saying some negative things about you. Well, he doesn't really do this well or doesn't do this well when you're negotiating. But when you're negotiating directly with the player, you really can't say those things. Or if you do and the player hears them, what's he going to say? Yeah. So I, that's a rough one for me. I think the Baltimore should absolutely pay him. I think he – I think the biggest problem we're going to see with these quarterback contracts is that Lamar, Herbert, Burrow, and everyone else is pointing toward the Deshaun Watson contract now and saying, well, if he's worth that, I'm worth more. He had leverage Lamar didn't have, quite frankly. I think Lamar has more leverage than Deshaun does. I, I do. I think that – I mean, it was a different well, no, no, kind no. of leverage. Here's why he doesn't. You're, you're not you're, – I disagree on that because – Deshaun was able to leverage that in choosing between five teams. Yes. But that, Lamar but doesn't I, I, have and that and leverage. also to, what the Browns gave up to get him. Right. But what – Lamar is only negotiating with one team. Deshaun got that because there was five teams going after him. Yeah. 
But at the end of this season, there'll be other teams that would be interested in Lamar. Right. I mean, look, if the if Tua isn't good, you mean the Dolphins wouldn't want Lamar Jackson? Oh, yeah. You know, when the Raiders turn out to be as bad as I'm telling you they're going to be, and everyone in, in three months is going to be like, Coach Bo was right because Derek Carr's awful. They're going to be like, the only reason this, this Raiders team isn't over 500 team and in, in playoff contention is because Derek Carr sucks. And they're going to be in there for Lamar Jackson. Can you imagine Lamar, Lamar Jackson's looking at? Awesome. He's looking at these teams. Go ahead, Tom. What? I said Lamar in that Raiders offense. You give him Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. Yeah. That would be mean. Jones, Jones Bo about gave you the he he about loaded up. He he had it loaded and he he decided to, to eject it. He about gave you the here's what you're not understanding. He about gave it to you. I thought you were going to have to drive down to Dallas and whoop somebody's ass. Well, and, and I knew where he was going. I, and it, there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot correct to that. There are some things that Watson was able to demand because of the situation, specifically how much he gave that the, the Browns gave up to, a, to a, uh, the receiver's rights. That's another part of that negotiation. But every quarterback from here on out, these top tier quarterbacks, can all point to that contract and go, that's the starting point. They can point to it doesn't mean they're getting it. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks since that deal get uh, that negotiated that didn't get that guaranteed money. Yeah, I'm, not even I'm, close. Russell Wilson didn't get it. Kyler Murray didn't older. get it. Who said so about those names again? So Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. Those guys didn't get that. Kyler Murray. There's a lot of questions on whether Kyler Murray was going to get a contract at all. Here's what I'm saying: these top five guys in the AFC: Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Herbert will all make more money than Deshaun Watson when it's all said and done. Their Allen just got a new deal, too. He didn't all going to be bigger. Allen didn't get that money either in, in his new deal. The, the well, guaranteed – He took a discount. The the guaranteed money was a unique situation for Lamar. Yes. Um, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't see that guaranteed money being the standard. Uh, I will bet you that both – I will bet you that all three, Lamar – Herbert and Burrow all get more money. All get eventually, money. yeah. But no, I think on their right next contract, their next. I'm talking contract about right is, now. They're not getting that money. Lamar's going to get more guaranteed money than than Watson. Uh, I would bet if it's if it's this deal, if it's going to be a deal by Friday, it, it won't be that much. No, either. I agree with that. Steve Bichotti is not giving by Friday. Money. No, but if they get to the end of the season. Which Lamar Jackson should absolutely yes. make the I'll agree to that. I'll, I'll can I'll, I'll say if it's deals after this year, yeah, yeah. But I don't see anyone else right now getting that type of money. Yeah, because I don't. But I don't think Herbert and Burrow are going to make deals during the season, right? And they're the I next mean, ones. Yeah. Uh, the longer they wait, the more money they get paid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, good. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Moving on, uh, college football. Last week, week one, highly entertaining. Uh, some very good games there. What were your takeaways from the first week of college football? Well, you know, I was talking pretty loud about how I felt about Ohio State, and I watched every minute of that game, Ohio State Notre Dame, and Ohio State didn't play well. And I thought – Defense hmm, looked good. Defense looked real good. Your offense looked very stagnant. C.J. Stroud didn't look good at all. And I thought when watching that game – Every championship team has that one game. Maybe Ohio State got it out of the way early. I don't know. 
But I'll tell you my takeaway from that game. Notre Dame plays tough. They are a physical team. They Their offense sucks. That quarterback's yeah. not a – I hate criticizing college players, but he's not a, a real high-level Division One quarterback. Right. I, I'll put it that way. I don't think there's anything wrong with the young man. I just He wouldn't be the quarterback at Alabama or Ohio State or A&M, or Oklahoma. But I think that that Notre Dame team, I watched a lot of football this past weekend. I saw no team more physical than Notre Dame. That hurts me to say, because I hate Notre Dame. But damn it, I like what I saw physically from them. That will keep them in some games. Um, I watched... Arkansas, I like Arkansas a lot. I think that that's a – they just have a ridiculously hard schedule. Um, and then Alabama is the best team right now. I mean, they just – I mean, just flip a Georgia coin. Georgia looked great. Georgia looked great. I mean, Georgia was better than I thought they'd be. Um, I just – I still think Georgia's shortcoming is going to be some better in the end. Here's here's what I wonder, Paul. Um, you know – these teams had months to scout their first opponent, literally. Yeah. And, you know, weeks to practice and everything. And we saw good programs with good coaches that looked just straight up unprepared. Yes. Notre Dame with Brian Kelly. Oregon with LSU planning their new head coach. Yes, LSU, thank you. That's yeah. still getting weird to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that was, a, num- that was a, a thing to me oh. as I'm watching – uh, throughout e- even Oklahoma and their win against UTEP, Dylan Gabriel wasn't as accurate as advertised. Um, you know, and, and what about you know West Virginia and their game against Pittsburgh and all the stupid decisions that we saw from Neil Brown? His ass needs to be fired th- before the end of the year. I mean, like to me, how how do we see so many teams unprepared for Week One like that? Yeah, I agree with you all a little bit of that. I think that. I, you know, Oklahoma came out swinging early. And, but then there was times, I think a lot of that you slow down as you get so far ahead in the game. But boy, I, I agree with you on a couple of those teams. And I would throw Ohio State in there. I don't think they were really prepared yeah. for They were coming across. No. Um, Oregon looked horrible. Go ahead, Tom. Who had a worst outing? If, if, granted, the teams somewhat, we thought maybe not equal, but close enough. Um, who had the worst outing, Dan Lanning or Brian Kelly? Brian Kelly. His team looked unprepared in every which way. Totally un- unprepared. Morgan scored three points, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm going to let you – yeah, Oregon was bad, man. I mean, just <laughs> flat out horrible. I mean, I thought I think that was... I just watched every play of LSU, and I just think it's so personal. Um, Brian Kelly looked like Les Miles out there, but I, yeah, Georgia. I mean, just put it on Oregon so bad. I mean, there's no way they can be that bad, are they? But I also looked at it as if you look at last season, the same Oregon team beat Ohio State week one and never played that well again, right? including getting whacked by Utah twice. I mean, I remember watching the first Utah-Oregon game last year and thinking, well, maybe Oregon could come back. 
And it just, it just, it was like a snowball rolling down the hill. It got bigger and bigger. And it was like, holy shit. Oregon looked out of control and, and as far as how bad they looked. And it continued into this game. So I don't know if it's the combination of the coach and the team. I, they, they both were pretty bad. And I, as a fan of LSU, I'm really upset with Brian Kelly right now because I thought they didn't play LSU's brand of football at all. Yeah. But Oregon didn't play any football at all. Yeah, that's what happens when you still try trusting Bo Nix to be your quarterback. Yeah, and that's another thing is Bo Nix is so bad. I Again, I don't like quarterback. I don't like Mix, college kids. traveled 2,000 miles to Bo still Nix get his ass beat by George. Bo Nix is as old as I am, isn't he? He's been like right. in college for 19 years. The fake Bo. Yeah, the other, the other Bo. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, he was – I never thought he was great at Auburn. You know, he got another shot to play one more season at Oregon. He's not going to be successful there. They might yeah. as well just pick somebody. I don't understand why they went and got him in the first place. Right. One more thing, and then uh, we'll move on and talk about the college football playoff expansion real quick. Um. You know, the, the Big 12's been talking about expansion for a long time, and and we even heard Brett Yormark, the uh, Big 12 commissioner, say this week that they are specifically looking out west. I think we all know what that means. And, you know, with their newest additions, the Big 12 passed on Boise State, and all signs point to they're not interested in Boise State, that they have their eyes set on Pac-12 schools. And I saw that Boise State team get blown out by Oregon State, one of the worst Power Five programs. I mean, just a little bit better than Kansas. And, I mean, that's it. Um, I mean, Boise State has lost a couple of coaches since Chris Peterson. They haven't been back to any major bowl games in a very long time. I mean, they're just another program now in the Mountain West. There's not much special about Boise State anymore. They have lost their luster. And – you know, not only the academics of that school being just a little bit better than a community college and playing in a glorified high school stadium and everything. Bo, I am so glad that the Big 12 is not showing any interest in Boise State right now based on just the way things have fallen off for that program. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they looked bad this past week. I think you said it right in that they haven't been right since Chris Peterson left. And you know, it's not the same Chris Peterson coach team, the blue field. There's really nothing to that now. It's it's just not the same situation. The Big 12, I think, is going to be all dependent on which teams they get in expansion. You know, I think it's important to get both the Arizona schools. I think it's important to get Oregon and Washington. Uh, those are the four. If I was targeting, it's the four I would target. Um It'll also be important to get those arrangements done and get their TV deal so they can get them in-house and get it done. Um, you know, that, that'll that help be kind of the death blow to the Pac-12. But that's what the Big 12 is going to need. You're right, though, about they're lucky they didn't expand with um, with, B, with um, almost at BYU. I mean, with Boise. BYU's looking like a really good ad right now. Um, I still don't know if you, you, uh, UCF or USF, UCF, UCF Central Florida is coming in. I don't know how that fits, but I mean, it's a big city, Orlando, second CMR, largest school in the country, second largest school in the country, and that kind of thing. And then, hey, the Houston ad is huge, Cincinnati, too. 
Yeah, and and I I think that those were all great ads. I, I again I don't know about the South Florida one yet or Central Florida one yet, uh, but the other one I think were all great ads. They were all better choices than Boise looks like now, and it was great they didn't go for Boise. And I think now the important thing on the expansion is you've got to go for big state schools. I you can make an exception for Stanford if you if that's who you have to settle for, but Oregon. Was uh, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State. Those are the four you got to target. Don't get cute and try to say, well, let's go get Stanford, Cal, UNLV, and San Diego State. That's not going to be, that's not going to do well. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would say we talked to John Kurtz about this last week that if the option is like, hey, Arizona wants to come, but no one else in the Pac-12 does, and you have to take San Diego State to get Arizona, I'd be willing to take that, if that means getting Arizona. I, well, I think really? you're not going to get Arizona without Arizona State. You're going to get both of them. They're staying I don't know together. about that. I think they'll stay together. I do. I don't I don't think I would take SDSU. If it meant – if that's – because Arizona's not going to go alone. If you have to have a partner with them, I would be willing to take San Diego State if it meant if that's what it took to get Arizona. You're saying that you you don't think Utah will go? I, you don't, that's I don't know, I was but I'm saying if it came down to it, and that was the yeah. only way to get Arizona, was that? For, yes. You think is that for just geographic, like Arizona's a top school, or do you think? I mean, if if Arizona came to the Big Twelve, not only like football, they're not worth the. But basketball, that would be it would it would be an incredible basketball conference. It would be so stupid actually if well, Arizona came to the Big Twelve. You it, the basketball that, would be crazy. I mean playing in the state of Arizona and adding the West Coast brings value, no matter how good or bad Arizona is in football. I mean you would having that flexibility to play West Coast games would go a long way. Yeah, I, I think then jumping in here a little bit. If if I knew I could only get one of the Arizona schools, and you had to partner them up, I think Utah's a better ask. I think Colorado's a better ask than going to get a San Diego State. I'm that's not well, what you're. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if everyone else says no, yeah, and Arizona has to come with somebody, yeah, then I would be willing to go down to San Diego State if I had to. That's what I'm saying. So I think I would. I think I'd draw the line. At, if you can give us Utah, I'll take SDSU. I, I see where you're going, Jonesy, and I'm not a hundred percent behind you, but I'm not a hundred percent against you either. I'd like to see if you're going to go get a San Diego State. I would. I would want to see four teams coming, and they're the fourth team. If that yeah. makes sense. So if you were able to get. Let's say it was the two Arizona schools, Colorado and San Diego State. I could probably live with that. Or if you didn't get Colorado, maybe you got Cal or Stanford. Right. And I kind of get with that. Right. But I got to have the two Arizona schools. If I'm going to have one, I got to have both. So you're saying both or neither? Yeah, I think so in this case. See, that's where I I would differ. I would be willing to take San Diego State, you know, to, to make that work. I would if it was one of them with two other good schools. If you gave me, if I could make a deal and go get, I had to take on San Diego State, I had to take Arizona, and if I 
could either take Utah, Colorado, or Stanford. Two of those three, I'd be okay with that. I'm taking San Diego State. Yeah. I just can't have San Diego State and UNLV be my 13th and 14th teams. Right, but that's not what we're talking about. As a traveling Big 12 fan, I would love UNLV. Oh, yeah. I think that's (laughs) the one positive thing about it. We got to move on. We got to move on. Uh, (laughs) College football playoff discussion. Going to 12 teams. Bo, I like the expansion. I don't like how the expansion's being done. I hate that there's six automatic bids, especially when we're moving towards power conferences. Yeah. No automatic bids, as far as I'm concerned, would have been so much better. Uh, just take the top 12 teams. And then on top of that, the you know the Bulls are going to host the quarterfinals and the semifinals. I'm fine with that. Um, but to me, it's more games. That's a plus. That's a good thing. I like the first-round buys for the top four seeds. That's a good thing. But the automatic bids, I did not expect that when what we've seen out of the SEC and the Big Ten separate themselves over the last uh, okay. you know, year or so. They, they don't need these other conferences. What are the, the conferences that are going to have the automatic bids? Is it going to be? The top six conference champions okay. by ranking. So that's going to include. Okay, for instance, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the SEC, the Pac-12, the ACC. And then the, Power the, the Five. American or the Mountain West. Or that, that's where I had a problem. Is the I had top a problem G5? I had a problem going outside the Power Five with an automatic bid. Because and the and, other and, thing, too. And honestly, I had a problem putting the ACC in there. It gives an equal seat at the table for – if you went back to last year, Cincinnati would have been ahead of Utah in the rankings, and Cincinnati would have gotten a first-round bye, and Utah and Pittsburgh would have had to play in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know that there's ever going to be an, an equitable situation here. The curious thing to me is that he said the top six champions – what if there isn't six a level? What if we lose the Pac-12? Then are we going to have a, a, a two non-power five? It'll be two of the non-power four at that time conferences are going to get automatic bids. I would have done the top four get automatic bids. I I could have said, hey, the top four ranked conference champions. I could have seen that. Yeah, get automatic bids. Because I think the ACC is, is dog I think they have to prove it now. Um, which reminds me to give you a little bit of grief on your Twitter post on Sunday. Or was it Sunday or Monday? Monday. About uh, the fraud over at Clemson? Clemson's a fraud, yes. Yes. Who's been telling you that for three years? Well, they're a fraud this year. No, they've been a fraud for three years. Weren't they just in the championship game like two years ago? Like four years ago. Has it been that they long? were in the championship game in, after the 2019 season. Because LSU okay. beat them in the championship game. Okay. That's three seasons ago now. Okay. Yeah. They should have been in that game. But in the end, I, I do think that – yeah, I don't like the automatic bids either. I think – but then 
that's where the power brokers for the conferences, they the, the three conferences specifically, Big 12, Big, Big 12, Pac-12, and ACC, had to try to get their foot in the door to where you didn't see you know, the top four teams get automatic bids because we might see in the future top four teams could be, you know, for instance, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah. You know? So I think it's going to be something. I um, I don't know. I, I think that's the way I look at it is I would probably right now say I, I, I like the idea of expanding to 12, four automatic, four Top four, the, uh, the buys, I think it's good. I don't like the automatic bids. But, hey, at least we got 12 teams going here. I hope we don't have to wait till 2026. I don't think they're going to have to. I think that it seems like there's some fire in these guys to get some done. I'll believe it when I see it. I've been uh, – I will too, but – I've I, been fooled I, before. Yeah, well, we've all been fooled before that goes to the NCAA. Yeah. All right, Bo, we got to go. Uh, Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisor Group. Check out uh, O'Connor Advisor Group, OHGCast.com. Coach Bo knows podcasts as well, wherever you listen to podcasts available on Mondays and Fridays. Bo, we'll talk to you next week. Hey, thank you, bud. Before we get out of here, it's time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. Thomas Bridges standing by with something ridiculous happening in the world and tom every once in a while we have to do a, a deep dive uh, an investigation of some sorts and this week we're going to look into an old theory that i don't think many people may know about jones we're talking about green shirt thursday never heard of it before you brought it up to me earlier this week and I said, you know what? We'll talk about it. Let me look into it. Let me urban dictionary it. And essentially back in the day, if you wore a green shirt on Thursday, it meant that you were looking to get some during the weekend. And I had never heard of that. And I told you growing up in middle school, we used to have pink shirt Wednesday, which was more so about um, guys just being, I don't know, being comfortable wearing pink or it wasn't like a big deal. Um, and it, it kind of blew up. Everybody did wear pink on Wednesdays for, I think that went on to at least my sophomore junior year. Um, and we even had shirts made. I didn't remember ever hearing about the green shirt. I did remember having, or, and even now as like a, as a DJ there, I, I see different nights out that if you're single, you wear green. If you're in a situation ship, you wear yellow, or if it's complicated, you wear yellow. And if you're in a relationship, you wear red. I stoplight parties. I still see those. They've been popular forever. I don't know if that'll ever change. I see those all the time. I don't ever remember seeing someone wearing green on purpose on a Thursday to insinuate that this is that. They're they're out there looking, um, but from what you said and from whatever dictionary says, it does seem like that could be a potential possibility. Um, it definitely, from what you said, will make me contemplate people who wear green shirts on Thursdays from here on out. Um, Jones, how did you hear about this? Ironically enough, I heard it from my parents. 
uh, as they said, this is what they were told and believed when they were growing up. And so then I, I did some deep diving and apparently, Tom, I guess green is just a sign of horniness. I mean, there is a belief that green M&Ms also make you horny. I mean, there, there's something, I guess, about green that has that effect on people. I mean, the green M&M does kind of have a sexy vibe to it. The green M&M, like, the character, like, she's very seductive. Exactly. She can get it. I don't know if that was intentional or not, or they, they were just kind of ran out of colors. You don't ever see an orange M&M. And I can't even remember seeing, like, a brown M&M. It's, I guess, to my knowledge it's the red one and the and the yellow one and then the green one and then maybe i've seen a blue one on the commercials but i don't recall right so maybe maybe that has a history or you know what i i think maybe jones's green shirt is you know we we talked to bo about it off the show he says he does remember it in middle school. Bo is what, mid 40s? Yeah. Your parents are early 50s, mid 50s? Yeah. My parents, I, I guess I didn't ask my parents about this. I should have. Um, they, I don't know. I'll have to ask my dad if he, if he remembers any green shirt Thursdays or anything like that. Jones, I also, when I did some research about this, I did see that back in the day, maybe our parents' age, if you wore a green shirt, not only did it mean you were trying to get some, it also meant that you could be signaling, signaling as as gay or LGBT. Okay. That term is obviously a lot newer than what our parents or that that age. It was, you know, back then if you if you were a girl and you like girls, if you're a guy and you like guys, it was all Maybe, maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe someone will correct me. But it was like, if you were gay, you were gay. If you're a girl and you like girls, if you're a guy and you like guys, it was gay. And maybe some lesbian, you know, you could have said lesbian too. But, um, you know, newer terms have popped up to identify those. Um, and I think they work out fine. And I don't really care what, you, you know, I don't really care who you are or what you do. Um, but, you know, maybe back then as kind of an underlier and identifier it was green shirt thursdays i have seen some of that um that it was it was the identifier you know growing up jones i heard that it was um like an earring in the left ear i think was kind of like the identifier if you were not heterosexual i you know i didn't look into it that much obviously i I didn't really care either way i'm like you like who you like, you love who you love. I don't really give a shit. Um, but I think that could have been the identifier before the earring. And then before, I, I, I guess, just coming out in general, it could have been Green Street Thursday or Green Street, Green Shirt Thursday. Right. Uh, you know, that's... What's, what's interesting, too, is like nowadays... I don't know what would be an identifier to other to identify that you're horny 
other than like wearing seductive clothing or something on any given day. I mean, there's not one thing like we hear our parents and Bo or whatever point to. Yeah. If you were wearing green on this day, that meant you were horny. You were looking to get some. Now I'm like, okay. I mean, if I see somebody, you know, not wearing much clothing out in the club, then, I mean, yeah, they probably, they probably want some. They're probably looking for attention of some sorts, but I mean, there's not like a single color that identifies that now. Yeah, and there's not, and and maybe green sh- green shirt Thursday was maybe a way to identify that, but you know, I you know, I I don't. This is very weird to say, and for the sake of Tom Fullery, I don't care, Jones. I'm going to say it. If I'm looking to get some some weekend, or if I'm what you say, feeling horny. I'm not going to be like, God damn, I'm feeling horny. Let me wear a green shirt. <laughs> Even if not- I wanted to, I work with green screens. I couldn't wear green if I wanted to. Just imagine you get on a green screen and they just put a, they just put a cock on your shirt. He's feeling horny. <laughs> I, you know, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know, like, I'm not like, I don't, I've never, and this is this is an age gap thing, maybe. I've never been like, hmm, you know, I'm feeling horny. I might as well put on this green shirt. Never in my life. Or the thought. other end of it, too. Somebody you see wearing green, are you going to be turned on? Like, oh, they're wearing green. They must be horny. They're, they're, they're really turned on. Let's, let's go get them. About that. You know, and so I'm like, well, you, you know, like to each their own, sure. I mean, I, I think I think if you're horny, you can wear any color, as long as you play your cards right that night. I think you'd be I think you'd be okay, right? I would assume. You know, I don't think you necessarily need to wear a color to signify that. But you know, maybe back in the day, it was more of a. You know, they weren't maybe near as open as they were nowadays. But you know, the '70s was a time of. Let's do some acid. Let's do some shrooms. Let's be open about our sexuality, and let's uh, let's go. To, I don't know. Let's. I don't know. I'm aging myself. Let's go to Woodstock, smoke some weed, and have sex. Like I don't know. I wasn't around for that. Neither were you. But I don't ever remember a time where I'm like, mm, let me throw on a green shirt. I don't. I didn't care what color of shirt it is. I never thought, mm, let me wear. Let me wear this color to signify I'm out here looking to bang. So this was written from the Urban Dictionary back in uh, 2006 about Green Shirt Thursday. Wear a green shirt on Thursdays if you are a lonely single looking to score some action for the upcoming weekend. The green shirt will signal to those interested what your intent for that weekend is and possibly help you hook up with a lovely individual. Use in a sentence. Young and restless man participates in Green Shirt Thursday. Adventurous and exotic women flock to him that weekend. Here's another part about it too, Tom. If you're that horny to wear a t-shirt on a Thursday, why are you waiting for the weekend to get some? Like, if that's the bat signal, then... Why don't you just go ahead and get it on that knife? See, that's a good question. I'm like, mm, you know, why not? Why is it Thursday? 
you know, some people go out on Thursdays. I host karaoke on Thursdays. But why not wait until Friday or Saturday night to wear that green shirt to signify I'm DTF? Right. Makes no sense. Right. You know, well, if I'm ready to get it on, then maybe I'll, you know, if I'm that horny, damn it, I'll wear green every day of the week. Right. And, you know, what's stopping me from doing that? Right. You know, that's an interesting uh, way to look at it. That I'm just like, well, you know, I'm looking to get it on every day of the week. Then, well, why don't I just freaking... Why don't I just go ahead and get her done? So, if your sports team wears uh, green, like, you know, the Seahawks or something... Does so that the mean, Packers are ready to get it on? Sports teams horny. So the Packers are ready twenty four seven. The Seattle Storm are they storming? Sue Bird, baby, she's she's retired now. She's ready to get it on. She's had those days. Well, depending, yeah. She, I mean, she could have worn green street, no, green shirt Thursdays back in the day. Uh, she could have. There's a lot of different things her green shirt could have signified. Yeah, that's enough WNBA. Um, yeah, uh, WNBA for the year, for the next five years. There you go. Yeah, I went to a WNBA game this year. Don't ask me why. Um, <laughs> the Wings. What? Did you go to the the Dallas Wings? I did not. I uh, I went actually to a Seattle Storm and Phoenix Mercury game when I was in Phoenix. Well, there you go. I sat in the suite, and uh, so that's why I went. I took advantage of being in the suite. You went to the suite for like, what, For probably for free? Yeah, it was free, and I had free booze and food. Well, yeah, you know, well, dang. Yeah, you can't beat that then, I guess. I was there for the free booze and food, and there happened to be a WNBA game going on. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah, so that was the more accurate description of that. But nonetheless, so uh, Tom, you're uh, you go out on Thursdays. You do the karaoke thing. Uh, will we be seeing you wearing green? You know what? Considering tonight is the night. Well, when the show gets posted, I'll tell you what. Well, you got to wear your Rams gear tonight. Yeah, right? I'm gonna wear Rams tomorrow. But you know what? Here's here's the crazy thing, Jones. Blue and yellow make green. Ooh. So I'm low-key horny, baby. <laughs> if they beat the Bills, then listen here. If you, you manage to make it out to Angelo's Tavern in Bartlesville, Oklahoma tomorrow at 9, 9 p.m., listen, the Rams win. I'll be, I'll be real horny for the Rams. I'll be ready to ram you. That's enough. Hey, ram me. you. I got to stop. That's enough out of me. You know, I cover the Ravens, one of the teams uh, that uh, I cover at Chat Sports. And I always say, Tom, uh, you got to rock out with your flock out. Yeah, you can, you can get to see, you'll, you'll get to see my Poe. <laughs> my Poe is not injured. <laughs> your Poe's not on IR. No, he's not. He's on, uh... never mind. Never mind. For some people, their Poe is on ED. 
Um, for the Ravens, he's on IR. I don't. I don't know what my Poe is on. Oh, this uh, segment took a very know, interesting I, turn, I, as I expected. I don't. Yeah, that's. I'm. I'm running out of. Uh, I, I. I don't even know what to say. Well, I don't even know that. That's a good place to end today's show. Uh, big thanks uh, to Bo O'Connor, Coach Bo, for joining us, as uh, well as uh, Mike Neighbors uh, for joining us, for stopping by as well. Uh, you, the listener, for being here today, as always, subscribe to the Jones Sport. New episodes out each and every Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. The Studio Soapbox Network. Uh, the Bevo Boys are back in business doing their show, uh, as well as uh, Coach Bo and company. Uh, check out all our shows on the network. Uh, just search Studio Soapbox. And uh, also, you can find uh, our show on social media, facebook.com slash uh, Studio Soapbox, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Twitter at Thomas underscore Bridges, Twitter at Studio underscore Soapbox. Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, and Jones underscore report. You can find us there. And uh, make sure to uh, subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. For Thomas Bridges, our entire crew of Tyler Jones, thanks so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report. Have a good one.